on Bad Radio. Jeff, my name is and we listen to the ticket here at work. And at 12.15 today, it's Monday, September the 12th, the two yin-yangs on the radio totally screwed up the moment of silence for the 9-11 victims for the 15-year anniversary. And, you know, it's not so much that they screwed it up, but they couldn't even pull their together enough to, that they laughed on the air because they screwed it up. That was so disrespectful to the victims of that, to the entire country, to your listening audience. Those two owe an apology to everyone. And I mean, like, not tomorrow, not a week from now, but today. Someone needs to address this while they're still on the air. They need to pull their act together and do that moment of silence respectfully and properly. Thank you. Primate, congratulations! Primate! Ash, this primate has got a lot of natural fighting talent. You think so? Mm-hmm. Why don't you let me train it for a while? I promise to turn it into a real P1 champion! A true P1 champion! So first, George disrespects my sainted mother. Way to go, go George. George. Way to go, George. Twitter account. She tweets all the time. You're a jerk, George. She's always ripping people on Twitter. You know, I'm here trying to help your show. <laughs> I'm on your shoulder trying to help you. No, you are, Big Drake. Yeah, well, I got shake voice. I don't appreciate it. He was my roommate. And yeah, he got naked, but I didn't get naked. Because you're inferring that I might get naked, and I wouldn't do that. Let me think that they would know me. A horse. <laughs> uh, shout out to our Dan's not laughing. new leader of our company who's uh, just tuning in for the first time. Let me see. Thank you for- <laughs> Let me see what works here. <laughs> Not people don't know this, but uh, Lee Corso. <laughs> you realize halfway through it wasn't going over well. You talking to me? Talking to me, you big Jake. I don't Jake. know about that, Coach. <laughs> you big Jake. I think he was joking. <laughs> you got to reset. I took now. it as a uh, joke. I don't know about you, well, but I took it as a joke. <laughs> well, uh, put on the uh, unfortunate remarks going on here, but this is uh, Lee Corso joining us here, and uh, we're very. Uh, Put on, uh, these, course, uh, put on the Sooner Scooner hat, everything will be okay. And, and, and uh, Dennett, very delighted to have, to have him. Because you inferred that I would pose naked in a magazine. In a magazine. <laughs> I think that was very sarcastic, and I don't appreciate it. We are so Ninja Turtles right now. We kind of are. We kind of are, yeah, definitely. I'm Michelangelo. Yeah, you definitely are Michelangelo. Yeah, right. Party, dude. Yes. I'm Raphael. Oh, cool nailed. but rude. Yep, yeah. definitely yeah. rude. That's a character flaw, but I'll take it. How's it look? Whoa, how'd you do that? Yeah. Oh, I just chewed it with my uh, vampire teeth. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. So we got our nice mic over there. We got Rude Raph. Yeah, so Rude I Raph. guess uh, I'm Leonardo the Katana dude. 
definitely not. not Leonardo. Don't compliment yourself so much. Nice try, though. You're definitely Donatello. Oh, he's oh, so Donatello. You're so Donatello. What? Donatello was like a nerd, and like he he's like a party pooper. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, that's 100% who you are. Anders Tello, that's, that's you. Uh, yeah, Anders Tello, very good. Plus, you don't even have a mask, so how can you be a Ninja Turtle? Well, you didn't steal me a mask! You could have stole yourself a mask, man! Whoa, enter Donatello okay. the bummer, dude. Oh, Just take your little computer it. out and play with it, Donatello. There's Maybe I will. Full bagel bite in here. Oh. Ugh. They're hard to digest, evidently. But he's got high hopes. He's got high hopes. He's got... High apple pie in the sky. Hope so every time you're feeling low. Just like letting go. Just remember that ant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. Hey, it's Sean Chill, the voice of Goku from Dragon Ball Z. I never listen to Bob and Dan on the ticket, and I also don't watch sports. But tune in for some other stuff that has to do with sports. And maybe as sports fans, you'll like it. Snip, snip. Right about now, Sports Radio 96.7 FM, The Ticket presents the Bad Radio Weekly Wrap-Up Podcast. This week, we talk to a ninja turtle, a business of ferrets, and the hang zone with Corby Davidson. Also, hashtag he's on my no, R.I.P. Julie Dabbs, not Blake Jones, R.I.P. Bob, and R.I.P. Donnie Dew. And now two guys that are celebrating Father's Day as hashtag girl dads. It's Jake Kemp and Dan McDowell. Shut it down! Let's go, Go grown! So huge! Fuck out of here! Out of control here, Bill! Great man, I love football wow. so much. You want the ultimate? You gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Is this it? Is this it? Get up! No idea what to do right now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bad Radio Weekly Wrap-Up Podcast, covering the week of June 19th. On this week's podcast, Bad Radio talks about Father's Day. We also have a Jake Zone with a ferret of businesses, or ferret business, or a business of ferrets. We also have Business Tuesday. We have Button Talk. Bad Radio Talks to Ken Scott, who played Raphael in the Ninja Turtles movie. Or it could be Hawkeye. We don't know for sure yet. And The Hang Zone with Corby Davidson. We start things off with Father's Day Talk. So, 60% of the show today will be getting some kind of a gift on Sunday, I would guess. Because that will be Father's Day. So we wanted to do this segment early enough. You know, if we do it Friday, all the lovely ladies listening will not be able to, you know, scramble in time to get that gift. We're trying to help. We're trying to help the ladies out there. Like always. And this is called What Don't You Want? What Don't You Want? (laughs) Because I was reading an article called, and there's many of these 
out there. This one is called 50 Gifts Perfect for Any Dad This Father's Day. And I, I thought... You're going to take issue with the title just right off the rip there. Why? Well, because there are not 50 things that you could buy any... There are not 50 things you could buy any dad. Not me. Any dad? Dollars. 50 things, huh? That's a bad title. <laughs> well, I decided to look through this and see if these were actually uh, gifts that we would want. I could tell you one theory that I have that I don't think we want. It's like... Uh, the problem with gift giving, and especially if you've been married or whatever a long time, if you've been giving the same person gifts for a long time, you kind of run out. Like, it's real fun in the beginning, just like the relationship is. <laughs> And then it kind of gets to be a bit repetitive, and then you do start to just go to cliche things. So if you go to your local ice cream shop uh, to get a cake made, an ice cream cake made, they have like a catalog that you can look through. And, you know, it's fun for little kids with the, the Disney stuff or the, the Elmo cake or something like that. Uh, which I do love, too. I like getting, like, even now, a nice Elmo cake for my birthday. Uh, the family will get me that because they know I love some ice cream cake. But we always laugh at the Father's Day cliche gifts. You could get a uh, cake with a tie on it because fathers wear ties. And that's an old cliche gift, giving them a tie. You can get, like, the golf bag on it. You can get the mug of beer. Uh, you can get a grill because these are things that guys like. They like beer and ties and golf. Here's one on this list. Oh, okay. So I was going to the why uh, the just a general thing. You would walk in this room, and you have even said this before in different uh, forums that I'm super gay because I have all this Superman stuff around here. There's a Superman poster. There is a Superman uh, light cover. There's another Superman light cover. There's a Superman porcelain guy. Have you ever seen this guy hanging off the light up here? I have. That appears to be a Superman Halloween bucket basket thing or something. It's yes, like, uh, shaped like up the, next to my Mark triangle. Cuban doll. Yeah, on the on the shelf. Uh, there's a lot of Superman stuff here. Yeah, I like Superman. I don't like Superman as much as the things in my office would indicate. But you know, my wife knew, and I guess my kids when they were little knew. Hey, I like Superman. It was fun. The 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 old movie, the uh, early 80s or late 70s movie, Superman, that's what that was my go-to when I was a little kid. Liked it. Liked it a lot. Don't pattern my whole life around it, but then it was like, oh, what does Dad like, or what does he like? Oh, let's get him this. We'll get him a light switch cover. That's a, a gift. I give him another one next the next year. If you've been married for almost two decades, well, now you've just got, it's just like Uncle Gary would complain about getting golf stuff, because that's all anyone kind of knew about him. And my daughter now... She doesn't like the tuba as much as the amount of tuba clothing she has. <laughs> tuba clothing. But if you're a grandma and you're trying not to just give her cash, which is all kids really want, they want money, uh, or maybe a Chipotle gift card, something like that. iTunes. Yeah. Uh, and I will do it, too. I want to get her something uh, so you, you 
look on Amazon and oh, she likes she's into tuba, so we get her a tuba T-shirt. Well, then she's got a, this tuba bag and she's got this tuba thing. And if you looked at her, you would think that her whole life is dedicated to tuba. No, it's just kind of the one bullet point anyone knows about her. So they get her a tuba thing. And I don't know what your thing is, um, but it feels like getting them the one thing. You know, maybe it's a anti-George Bush T-shirts. I don't know what what year. Come on, that was you in high school at least. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's changed over the years a little bit, and I think you're about to get into this. But you know, the meat thing seems like a lot of meat. Accessory. That's a very cl- uh, cliche thing, and you might love meat. But do you need another apron meat. for the grill? No. Or anyway, this one. So this is on this article. Uh, charcoal electric lighter and fire starter, $97. So instead of, you know, a match. Or a Duraflame, just the long lighter. The $97. Lighter. This is a big thing you have to haul out next to your grill that plugs in. So it's not even battery powered electric, uh, fire starter. You have to, so now I'm going to shell out $100 to light the grill. What do you think? This is one that looks good in practice, or in theory, but I bet bad in practice. It's called the uh, Beach Breakfast Sandwich Maker. This is $30, but it seems to be you're making an Egg McMuffin type thing. A place to put the egg, and a place to put the muffin top and the bottom, and then a piece of ham, and then you will press it all together. It's kind of like, in my head, the bread maker... Or the waffle, like you never actually are going to go to all that effort. Can I tell you the to make bread? Possibly right? my generation version of the bread maker. That would be the homemade pasta maker, which is just an absolute whip. It gets you know flour everywhere. It's impossible to clean up. It takes forever. You might it, so you it do ta- it once, right? It tastes better. It does. It's just not worth. But you're going to do it once. Yeah. Th- my problem with that thing over there is it makes one poached egg at once and and one. Yeah. How muffin. much effort? Yeah. And now if someone else wants one, hold on. Uh, Give me twenty off. minutes. Right. Well, I'll heat mine up. So we can eat <laughs> together. Yeah. That's a bad bit. And the pasta maker's a bad bit because it's like a dollar a box at the store. Yeah, but it does taste better. I think you can taste the difference. But you're right. In general, it's way more uh, way more effort than it's worth. What don't you want? How about a coffee mug? Don't want another coffee mug. What don't you want? Now, homemade stuff from kids, that's a different category. You might need that. You could go to the clay place. The clay place that does clay things. Here's a uh, cutting board gift set that will say, uh, one says to the best father. Now you got to cut your meat every week on the thing that says Happy Father's Day. The other says Grill Master. And then uh, another little picture of... It's a play on the Godfather symbol, the the logo. It yeah. says the Grill Father. Uh, Bad. And in in the hand is is a spatula. Uh. When do you start reading the ones that we want? <laughs> so far, it's just what I don't you want. What don't you want? <laughs> How about this one? It's called the Tushy Classic Bidet. Okay, now we're heating up because mm-hmm. I've been meaning to get. I've been Good talking day, about one hundred and ten dollars. I have. I've had uh, one in our on our wish, wish list on Amazon for some time now. It if all started dad, with the toilet paper shortage scene. If your dad likes doing projects around the house, installing this simple bidet is an easy job that yields life changing results. No more toilet paper. I've heard well, it's think, a game changer. I think you do still need like one wipe. 
but I would. I, I will have one of those in the. Is next it like few the uh, the the water pick for your butt? <laughs> you ever fire one of those in your what? mouth and it cleans out in between your teeth? Yeah, kinda. You need one. That was going to be one of their taglines on it, but they decided water <laughs> pick a, for your water butt. Water pick for your butt. Get it for the den. Wow! Don't tell the family. Just just get a bidet up here. Yeah. yeah. But then again, I would be tempted to go sit down potty, which I've never done here. If you had a bidet, <laughs> but I'm going to get one of those. You're going to get one. Yes. So this would be a good gift for you. You're saying be. there's one out of the fifty on this list so far. How about this? It's called 101 So Bad They're Good Dad Jokes. Uh, a book. Burn it. Uh. Uh, okay, here's one that is the uh, a picture of the state of Texas. It's a wood thing. They have a bunch of little holes in it. It's for beer caps. So you take the top off your beer, yeah. and then you stick it in there, and you collect. Like, uh, look, family, look how much I drink. Well, the other thing is, too, is I'm, I'm not in college anymore. I don't live with three other bros with a big come-and-take-it cannon flag. If Dad so I- has a bottle cap collection... Well, first of all, should we stop your sentence right there? You got a weird dad, right? Yeah, you know the weird thing, though, is that my wife, like, collects the corks to wine and puts them all in a jar, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Is this... (laughs) We're hoping for some sort of a currency? If there's ever a cork shortage? Yeah, run on corks. I don't know. I don't get it. If dad has a bottle cap collection, this is a beautiful and creative way to keep track of all his caps. While showing state pride. That's very important. And if he doesn't have a bottle cap collection, this is sure to inspire him to start one. (laughs) So you're forcing it on him. Sure to. Hey, the only thing holding me back from collecting bottle caps. Dad, you need a hobby. (laughs) Here's a good one. The electric razor for men. Oh, yeah. Boy, 129 bucks seems pretty high, but the beard trimmer... Uh, manscape grooming thing. That's probably a good one. Yeah. So there may be one. There may be one good thing on this giant list. What Boy, don't I, you want? I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to buy you a bidet. This is called. I'm going to tell you what. You're going to buy that for two. me for Father's. Oh, meat thermometer. No, don't need a meat thermometer. In fact, I'm ordering one this week. A bidet. A meat thermometer. Oh, a meat thermometer? My smoker sucks. Like, we cheaped out. That's the thing, right? This is something you and I were talking about the other day, and I know we got to go. But we need a name for the phenomenon. It's a curb subset where, let's say you're at someone's uh, gathering, and they say, I'm going to order pizza. It's on me. And they just order spare types of pizza you don't want or spare toppings, and you're like... You know, I would give you $10 for you to order me a pizza for me the way I want, but then I'm a jerk. I got a smoker last summer for Father's Day, and it's probably about the cheapest one you can buy. Mm. And now I'm like, well, do I just so go now you kinda buy liked, another like one? the smoker, but... I like doing it, but I'm like, this kind of sucks. You're using the bad one. Right. You can still now, take pictures of your meat. No, let's see, because they don't always turn out right. But, they, but the pictures all look the same anyway. Thus the need for the meat thermometer. But this, you know what, this, this happens all the time where someone's like, no, 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 let me get it. Right. And then they go kind of cheap on it, and you're like... I, now you can't complain I, about what they got because they bought. And you very well would have been happy to just pay for your own. Pay for the, the better one. to better one. Yeah. I find myself in this spot all the time, and it's where I am currently with 
uh, a smoker that looks like it might have been made by uh, Little Tykes. <laughs> Uh, so I need and what if a family member meet- bought you that smoker and then they come over and they're like, "Oh, where's the one I got you?" Well, what if they live they live with you? And ah, you're, man! You're, <laughs> little like, Nora bought you a smoker <laughs> last year. Um, could I interest you in a uh, just a meat camera? Just, it only takes pictures of meat. Seems um, to be needed these days. All right. Well, that's what don't you want? Uh, woken up in that special way. Maybe there's something we do want. Here's the thing. This is cliche. Just leave. My God, I can't believe how wonderful that would be. Just leave. But you can't say that. <laughs> just leave. You can say it on the air, and then when you go home, if your wife had heard about this, you can go, honey, I'm just joking around hey, on Perry, the air. The boys. But, I mean, if you do want to leave. <laughs> now for Jake's World. Jake's World. And it's time for Jake's World. Jake's World. Jake's World. Yeah. I need a name. I used to love the bit, uh, of course, on the hard line, the old hard line. Um, I love when they used to call. Of course, it's probably started with the snake pit. Yeah, you had the wolf's den. Once, uh, once upon a time, they would call it the tool shed. Whenever the hammer was going to sound off on something, does and a then, ferret live in a hole? Uh, well, ferret hole. I don't know. I tried to find out. Kind of a hole, but the, do you know, or does you know, what a group of ferrets is called? Like you know, school of fish, etc. Go a business. Hmm. So ferret business is open <laughs> for business. Um, yeah, I wanted to, especially since you um, gave a commemoration to yourself at twelve ten today and took the entire segment. Yeah, I wanted to give you some of my my weekend thoughts and observations. I had so passive aggressive here. We, <laughs> we when we had Junior on uh, last week, we talked about squared away Sunday. Because Junior is the per, uh, proprietor of the squared away list. Your haircut, um, a nice nice edging, mowing your lawn, uh, teeth cleaning. I like the squared away Sunday, and even sometimes it extends into Saturday, and how charged up you feel on Monday morning. You probably notice a little bounce. Um, oil change and car detail. Because you can do them at the same place over here. Are you, did you do that, or you're just oh, yeah. adding to the list? Okay. The, the best. The best feeling ever. To get the oil change, of course. So car get, detail, not the place where you scrub it yourself. Or the, I don't, if, you, if you don't do it very often. But cleaning often, your car yourself feels good. Right, but I fart in my car a lot, and I want them to shampoo the seats, the entire <laughs> interior. That's very important to me. Um, as an aside... And we'll expound on this in a moment. Uh, when I dropped my car off at this very busy car wash and lube center, there were probably 100 people there between employees and customers in the two locations that are side by side. Is it the 26? Yeah. Down there? Love that. Love that place. Where you can kind of walk. it take you 10 minutes to walk to Academy or something? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Then you just kill time at Best Buy or whatever, yeah. I'm the only masked guy there. At the car wash? Yeah. Mm. Peak time, Sunday afternoon. It's you, a weird time. And you feel like such... Now, that's when you feel... Now at, you're a lib. At the grocery store, it's no big deal because everyone has one. Yeah. But at the oil change place... Yeah, where car, men are. Right. And it's like, I'm the old, now you feel like a real wuss. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Because when you pull up, you roll down your window and there's somebody right in your face. Because yeah. they got to show you the board. But they're not hey, masked maybe up. I can, I can upsell you. Upsell you a little bit on the... Uh, they're not masked? No. 
No one. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting, but yeah. I feel a little weird that they're, this place is teeming with people. Uh, so, yes, haircut, also with mask, but that's a great weekend activity. You did? Oh, yeah. Got side shaped up a little bit here. Like, so you went to a pro haircutter? Well, yeah. I, I've been Your going haircut to a, lady. a lady for a long time, but she has like a, a little, in a building that has a ton of leased space, she has like a little closet almost. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's there's nobody else in there uh, at that time. Um, do you think it's, do you think if you say I uh, was able to exercise both days on the weekend, that sounds less douchey than saying, yeah, it worked out? Don't you think you should just always yes. say exercise going forward? Yes. If you say I worked out, it connotates there's a vision of a, a Gold's Gym. Right. To say you exercise. Skinny, skinny uh, shouldered tea or whatever they call those. Yeah, but you're being more specific when you say worked out. Yeah, but you're only being specific so people think that you're... But this is as you get older, you exercised. Right. Like... Because or And as you get even older, it'll be like, well, I got my heart rate up for 30 <laughs> minutes, you know? And then eventually you'll you'll be like, I walked at the mall. Right. With a fanny pack. And with Which the, with the I, I got a bad back going, so I, I did like a hour walk through the neighborhood. It's a good time for a phone call, as I learned. Oh, yeah. I was on the phone with you. Probably hit Blake up, too. Watched a little soccer. Here's my soccer observation of the week, Dan. So soccer's still on. It is. Okay. In Germany. Um, How's the Red Bulls? They don't play till Wednesday, but they're I think going to finish the league third. I don't. So you were they, scouting competition, right? Really, it's just that if you're up early on Saturday and Sunday and you want something on in the background, you put it on. And here's my observation: and big time soccer fans have probably known this for a long time. Soccer by a mile has the hottest coaches. It's not even really close got a bunch of snacks over there managing soccer teams on the sideline. Like, there are no fat soccer coaches. They don't have an Andy Reid. Are they all ex-players? I would imagine so, yeah. So I guess that's where it comes from. Is and there's don't. no fat soccer players. Right. Uh, watch King of Staten Island. Okay, so I Yes, went... I had to pay $20 for that. It. Okay, that was my question, because I thought Friday that was what I was going to settle into for the evening. Yeah. And suggest to the lady, let's watch this, because the guys on the show said they wanted to watch it. And I did, in fact, didn't I text you? I said, what's the app that tells me what is streaming where? It's called Just Watch. So I loaded that app up, and I'm all excited, because I'm going to figure out how I can watch the new Pete Davidson movie, which I heard is kind of good, or Judd Apatow movie, right? Yeah. If you want to sell it to someone to watch it, That's how you don't sell. call it the new Pete Davidson movie, because I'm not sure who's going to watch that. Um, or at least if I'm trying to sell it, to the lady, she is not going to be on board if I say it's the new Pete Davidson movie. Anyway, long story to say, it's available on demand, not on Netflix, not even for a rental on, you know, iTunes. Yeah, you got to pay nineteen ninety nine. That better be a pretty good movie. So I sold it to myself like this. By the way, it is going to be on Netflix, but just not for a month or two. I sold it to myself because, you know, king of justice. Is this a new model? Possibly, yeah. Right? You could just... COVID times. Because they got to make some extra bank. So why would... Like, Scorsese dropped a movie on Netflix, but it never got any initial money from the public. 20 seems steep, but I'd already convinced myself and 
the wife to watch it. And so I thought, well, it's like we used to go to the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, going to the theater would That's be a couple more than beers 20. for each of us. And my, my review is that it's not like groundbreaking, but it is pretty good. It's not as funny as the other Judd, Judd Apatow movies, but it doesn't try to be. But it's a pretty good movie, man. And was your bar lower because you thought Pete Davidson wouldn't be good? It was low, but I also loved the trailer. The jerks and profile of yeah. SNL came in hot. Cast members topped out, but it's it's pretty good, man. Bill Burr's great. I've heard that it movie. looks like a Netflix original movie. That's a pretty. It's a very good version of a Netflix original movie. That's, is that a down? Are you putting it down by saying that? Yeah, yeah. You know, a movie that was made to never be. You it's know, not you like a Lifetime original it. movie. It might be the new Lifetime original, or a movie, but Hallmark Channel original movie. If you like Judd Apatow, I would say watch it, but just don't expect a laugh a minute. But it's funny. It's just not. It's not like pink eye jokes. Like Bill Burr is a treasure because we've been watching uh, Breaking Bad. He's in the last couple seasons of that. And yeah, I love Bill Burr, man. So you're saying. 1877 Cars for Kids. K A R S Cars for Kids. 1877 Cars for Kids. Donate your car today. 1877 Cars for Kids. K A R S Cars for Kids. 1877 Cars for Kids. Donate your car today. To learn more about our programs and to donate, go to carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. Pickup is quick and easy. You'll also get a vacation voucher and maximum tax deduction. 1877 Cars for Kids. K-A-R-S Cars for Kids. 1877 Cars for Kids. Donate your car today. Also accepting boats, motorcycles, RVs, and real estate donations. It's not zookeeper funny. Right. It's a level below. <laughs> Why did See, I had him. I had him rolling with me, and now I've lost him because of you. Sorry. And bringing up zookeeper. <laughs> you don't really think zookeeper's funny, right? I posted this on Saturday, and it got more traction than just about anything I've ever posted. And since we all know that social media is a small part of our audience, I wanted to share this with the wider P1 nation. The wider? Wider. Oh. We were going to do a little swimming and grilling this weekend, so you need to make queso. Now, I know there are like way better ways to make queso than using simply Rotel ground sausage and, uh, and the block of Velveeta. Foodies, I don't... Just spare me. This is the way I was doing it because it was easy. Have any of you guys back there experienced how maddening it is to try to find the cube of Velveeta yes. or the block of Velveeta at the grocery store from any given day? A couple of weeks ago, I searched the entire grocery store and it was like on the last aisle I looked at in a place I never would have thought I would have found it. And I've known this for 10 years and I think I never really put it together. Every store is different. Every trip is different. The only reason anyone buys it is to put it with Rotel and make queso. Just put it with the Rotel. But it could be with... The, is it with the cheese? I know Eatsy's has a huge cheese area. So they're, like, they don't move it. Seemingly, uh, that's where it would go. And I walked around for 20, 30 minutes. Last item I needed. 
just beaten before you finally call the guy over and you're like, dude, I'm sorry. Are you embarrassed to ask for help at a grocery store? Not really, to be honest. I'm, I, I I used to work at a grocery store and Some I never, I never aren't, minded. aren't logical, though. This is the most illogical item placement in the entire store. And like we like time the, to time. the Atkins Power Bars. Because they're like two grams of sugar or something. Is it with supplements? Is it's it not, with cereal? Is it's, it with- it's not near the cereal. It's not near the uh, granola bars. It's in the pharmacy. Right. With like workout stuff. Why would it be in the pharmacy? Yeah, with supplements. and Right. Like, is it with the cheese? I don't know. Is yeah. it with... Uh, is it refrigerated? It was refrigerated this time. And I asked the guy, I said, hey, dude, I'm sorry. I've been walking around for half an hour. Where's the cute? Where's the block of Velveeta? <laughs> and he gave a big sigh and he goes, "They move it so much." <laughs> like, like, Even he's beaten. This was his PTSD. It's like nobody can agree well, on exactly where like it should that. be, right? Or even what it is. <laughs> yeah. And my final note for the weekend for you is, uh, as I've told you, the wife is cooped up. She doesn't have a hang zone, a dragon den, a Nowitzki Way studio. Same room, all day, every day, three months. Not going to see customers, not doing anything. She really wanted to go to dinner. And as the moment approached, I'm like, I don't want to sit inside a restaurant right now. I just, I don't feel comfortable with it. So we compromised on, in that little area in downtown Grapevine. You let her go eat. <laughs> Buy bring, bring you back some food. Uh, in downtown Grapevine, they have some um, areas that are outdoor seating, but it's not patio seating. It's like cafe-style seating on the street. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So there's really only like two tables per yeah establishment there. Now there are a lot of people but, walking. Yeah, by. you get a ton of people walking by, so you wonder is that more? But if you kind of turn away, more COVID unfriendly than I observed it pretty quickly. People are definitely more than six feet away, and you're not out back with a bunch of other people. So we go to this restaurant down there, and dude, the inside I'm telling you, completely full. Like it's a normal Friday night. Not a 75%? Nut to butt, as they were, as they might say. And it's weird. it was jarring. It was not as jarring as the gentleman that they had performing music that night. Guy up there with an acoustic guitar. He appeared to be maybe mid-50s. He's doing covers, country songs. And uh, we're outside, you know, so we were right actually right behind him, separated by the glass. And when it's time for his set to finish, Dan... He plays the national anthem. And everyone inside, Um. whether they are enjoying wine or meatballs, stands up, puts their hand over their heart, and sings the national anthem at an Italian restaurant. Did you take a knee? I didn't know what to do, man. I thought, well, we're outside, so I don't think anybody's really even looking out here to see what our Did you get up? No. I mean, we were outside, right? We're basically in the same spot as everyone walking by. But you're, like, closer to him than anyone else is. And in view. Yeah, of everyone inside. Through the window. But a couple people who were walking by did... Everybody stood up. A couple people who were walking by did stop. Did they sing? Turn. Yes. Yes. And the only reason that people who were walking by stopped and turned is because by happenstance... Uh, a waitress was entering the building the moment that he started. So now she's in a weird... (laughs) Do I just keep walking to the bread in the back? Do I wear your hat? She stopped, held the door open. She was probably 25, looked very confused, and put her hand over her heart 
as the anthem was performed at a restaurant on a Friday night to a packed house. And it was about the most awkward thing I've ever experienced. Yeah, that's odd. So anytime you hear that song, do you just have to stand up? Is that the rule? I guess. I don't know. But everyone did. Stand up, guys. Mid-meal. I was yeah. pretty shook. <laughs> did you yell stars? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, I did not. I did not. Next is Business Tuesday. All right. We have to have a title for everything, so we can call this Business Tuesday if you want. But there are a lot of business What don't you want? <laughs> I already did that one. Will we have time for Business Tuesday on Wednesday if needed? I don't know, because tomorrow... Are we packed? There's a snake in the hang zone. Oh, yeah? The cobra. The snake pit? What are we going to talk about with him? Look, here's the deal. I don't have anything in common with Corby. Well, I'll try to bridge that gap. So we'll talk tennis. Tennis. Did you ever dabble in tennis? Like, not on television. but Like a little playing? Yeah. Yeah. Wife's been asking me about it. I'm like, I just don't. I just don't think so. It looks really hard. Yeah, I was going to say, are you not good enough? <laughs> oh, there's no doubt I'm not good enough. It would become frustrating to me very quickly. I would imagine. If you can't volley it back and forth, then yeah. don't start. Right. I think you might have more fun with racquetball because then you don't have to run and chase the ball. Love racquetball. Yeah. You can be really bad, but still, you just don't have to. Again, the tennis ball chasing the ball two courts down and That's why you bring your dog. That's dumb. That is dumb. What? So here on <laughs> Business Tuesday, what? I wanted to take a look at Forbes released the Celebrity One Hundred, the highest paid the highest one hundred paid celebrities. However you you know what I'm saying, right? I do, yeah. Hundred people, they're celebrities. So sports authors. Actors, whatever. Trey, Trey. Highest paid celebs. Trey, not on the list. Not yet. The top, and so this is this calendar, or last calendar year, and so it means, it doesn't mean per year. Like, there's a very good chance some of these that are on this list won't even be on the list next year at all. COVID. Not because of COVID, but if you made a big deal, in fact, number one won't be number one next year, I don't think. Number one made $590 million last year. Kylie Jenner. But she sold her makeup line for like $500 million. So I guess she still pulled in 90 from all the other hard work she's doing, roofing and and Mike, let me ask you this, as someone who has teen daughters, and I know there's different types of teen daughters, do you know anyone who's ever purchased it, owned it, talked about it, anything, ever? Maybe. I don't have any idea what they purchase. Okay. That's fair. No idea at all. It just seems weird to me that somebody that made 590 Like, I'm well aware of what Amazon does. When I see his and name up there, And you know there, a I'm ton like, of people who, do, yeah, yeah. who order <laughs> off Amazon. Yeah. Uh, number two... Kanye. That's surprising to me. Kylie, $590 million. 
Kanye, $170 million. Good grief. So that's how Numbers much more board. she made. But I really, let's see, top ten wise, other names that, you know, there's always a lot of soccer players, right? Messi is number five. Cristiano Ronaldo is number four. Donaldo, not in the top ten at all. Uh, Federer, Fed, he's at uh, number three, hundred six million. LeBron is in the top ten, eighty eight million. So this must include like Nike, whatever they give him, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, you you don't think that Roger Federer made one hundred six million from tennis, do you? No, no, no. I mean, whether it's I mean, Messi and Ronaldo are on the back end of things, they're selling the selling that brand now. Tyler Perry is number six. Really? Yeah. Stern is number eight, ninety million. Howard Stern. I really didn't want to talk about them so much. I wanted to talk about the next ten. Oh no, I have an idea where we're headed. Oh, you have you gotten a? I'm upset if you've gotten a look at this. No, I've not gotten a look at it. I just feel like at some point we're getting we're going to get into people who make TikToks, vines, and YouTube videos or something. And, oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's not really where I'm going. Okay, but I'll just tell you the names of a few people. This next guy is ahead of. Uh, like the Jonas Brothers, they made $68 million. Somehow that's still listed as one celebrity. Uh, they're at number 20. Gordon Ramsay is 19. Uh, Ariana Grande is number 17. Steph Curry, $74 million. But he's got a big piece of that Under Armour stuff, right? For sure. Uh, he's at 16. James Patterson is an author. Oh, yeah. And he is he made $80 million last year at number 15. Everyone's mom's favorite author. Elton John, whose farewell tour has been like for seven years. I went uh, last year. Good show? Phenomenal. Teared up. He oh. made $81 million. He's at number 14. Rush Limbaugh is at number 11 at $85 million. Ellen, with the help of Dale... Good for Rush. ...is at number 12, $84 million. I didn't know he was still printing bucks like that. But who's right there between... Ellen and Elton John. Couple of iconic names in, in different ways. So Ellen is at eighty four million. Elton John is at eighty one million. Nestled between them at number thirteen on the uh, top one hundred celebrities, uh, one hundred paid celebrities, he made eighty two point five million dollars last year. Do you know? I don't. Bill Simmons. Shut. I believe that billionaires should pay for their own football stadiums. Bill Simmons, who is a hero, right, for doing his own thing and starting his own bit and then getting with ESPN and then getting away and HBO, own boss, all that kind of stuff. Very impressive. Would you ever say to yourself, I do think he's worth as much as Elton John? Or at least that he's worth to make that much like off of his brand worldwide no no way now I think he should make I think he should be in the same neighborhood as LeBron does this include and I don't really know how business deals are it's it's all about the Spotify, Spotify buying uh, the ringer podcast and the ringer in general yeah huh and the ringer was basically Kind of what he was doing for ESPN, which ESPN deemed really not profitable, right? Yeah, Grantland. Is this kind of a is is 
do podcasts have a bubble like the internet bubble of the early 2000s that are they being valued too high? Oh, I'm sure of it. Like, I think Joe Rogan is on this list somewhere as, like, the number one podcaster on the list at all. Uh, you know, I got to go 10 by 10. Yeah, the difference with that, though, is is that it is my understanding that Joe Rogan's deal is just for Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience, his show, right? Him as a property himself. I don't know that he has, like, a network of several. He may. Do, yeah, I don't think so. But, You're but right. the Ringer deal is way more is about way more than Bill Simmons. Now he's making that eighty two million himself. That's not what the Ringer made. But I listen to a lot of Ringer content and read a lot of it, and I don't listen to Bill Simmons or read Bill Simmons at all. Not I just don't enjoy his stuff too much anymore. But I listen to you know their NBA show or their Brian Curtis's podcast or I read their their football writers are great. But uh, but you know what. He had the idea, though. He did still have the idea, though, but un- unlike the guy who invented chicken nuggets, he's getting paid. So that was his idea with ESPN. And like I'm saying, ESPN deemed that this is not profitable. We're not selling enough ads on the written part, and we can't sell enough ads for the podcasts. And that's why I'm saying even in the Joe Rogan, they are paying for the podcast. And if you've ever listened to a Joe Rogan podcast, I really enjoy what he does, and I, he's a hero too. Stands out that doing his own thing and uh, cutting out the middleman or the many middlemen uh, that that stand between some people and the the work that they put out, and then actually trying to make a profit on it. There's a lot of hands in in that pile grabbing sure. money out of what's what's between. But Joe Rogan, if you've listened to his podcast. It's three hours, and sometimes there's a really strong 20 minutes out of that. Like, I guess he's definitely a niche type thing. I enjoy Joe Rogan. And I have an issue with putting all five minutes of ads at the beginning. How about eight minutes? Yeah, that's... He'll just kind of ramble on talk and do a bunch of live spots. But it worked. People are obviously using his, his Some people don't fast products. forward through that. Or even if they do fast forward, they know what the sponsors are and they want to use his stuff. Whether it's MMA stuff or whatever it might be, they say we want to support this business because we want to support him to the tune of probably him making thirty or forty million dollars last year. Do you know the name Naomi Osaka? Uh, Have you ever heard that name before in your right-handed life? reliever for? Okay, it's a lady. She's actually the highest-paid female athlete. I'll tell you exactly who she is next. All right, what was I doing? What were we in the middle of? Oh, top 100 celebrities. Osaka. The Forbes list. And yes, uh, so I found out during the break, Joe Rogan, he did just sign a deal with Spotify. So his podcasts are now available like wherever podcasts usually are. I get it through my iTunes. I don't think you'll be able to even get it on iTunes anymore. Ah, it's That's the way to do it. That's the Howard-like model, right? Where you're trying to engender people to sign up for your service to so, get this product. Yeah, so... Like with Satellite and Howard. If you want Joe Rogan, you're going to have to go to Spotify. And that deal is worth around $100 million, and I think it's like a three-year deal. So... It says here it's downloaded 200 million times per month. So even if 
95% of the people fast forward through the ads in the beginning and only listen to one out of every 10 episodes. Like, I would say I'm way less, like one out of 50 episodes, maybe. It's still a lot of people. (laughs) And he brought in $30 million last year, all just to him. So that makes him the highest paid podcaster. At thirty million, that doesn't get him on the top one hundred list of Forbes. However, number one hundred with thirty-five point one million, Mohammed Salah. Salah. So soccer top heavy, Salah. and soccer right at the bottom here too. Serena Williams is at number ninety-eight with thirty-six million. Which is interesting because she's married to Mr. Reddit. Now, I don't know how Reddit makes money, but I know that that guy is a, I think he's a, a tycoon in the tech world. The guy who invented Reddit is her husband. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She was the top paid female athlete from in uh, 16, 17, 18, and 19. And tennis has been the top ta- the top paid female athlete for at least the last 10 years in a row. The only list I have goes back 10 years, so it could be more. And before that, it was Maria Sharapova for five years in a row. And it doesn't look like the earnings are going up that much. In 2011, Sharapova was at $25 million. Last year, Serena... Top paid female athlete, $29 million. And this year, if you guessed tennis, that would be the correct guess for who is Naomi Osaka. She's the top paid female athlete in the world, and you just heard of her five minutes ago. And now Is that kind of amazing? And now that you're saying the name, I'm not having one of those. Oh, yeah. Yes, her. Oh, I've seen I've her. Seen that. I just didn't it didn't click at first. So she must no have idea. a fair amount of advertising deals, right? But if you are wanting your daughter to make it big in sports and uh, make some some bank too that you can you can get in the divorce when she divorces her parents, have her play tennis, not golf, not hoops. Not For Zuba. God's sake, not softball. <laughs> There's going to be no money there. And don't they usually check out pretty young? Not from, like, life, but from their sport, so they can just kind of coast? I just think they they aren't as good when they get older, right? Right. I just mean, like, a sport like, you know, I, I don't know. I think you could probably play in the WNBA when you're in your early 30s, or even for male sports, you play into your 30s, late 30s sometimes. Although Serena can't be. No, but she's young. a massive brand, though. Yeah. Yeah, but she's still winning. Is she? Uh, don't don't check what I just <laughs> well, said. There's a lot of confidence behind that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she almost completed the Serena Slam last year. I have uh, zero idea. Fell if apart she's on still cl- fell apart on clay. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was very confident. Yes. Well, I, I have ex- no idea. I didn't expect you to answer with "Is she?" All I know that about that was a curveball. I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for. Is that she was in a documentary about being pregnant? And uh, my wife watched it when she was pregnant. Who was? Serena. 
right. like she was trying to come back after being pregnant, and it, it I think it gave uh, it gave the wife a lot of strength to see somebody else going through this, and she was really emotional watching it. But I watched it, and all I could take away was, <laughs> I don't know, it looks a lot easier for her. <laughs> looks like she's kind of killing it, you know. Oh, it's because she's swimming in money. Like, don't feel bad that you can't do what she's doing. Yeah, don't buy that stuff about money can't buy happiness and all that. I mean, I guess kind of. I mean, there are depressed people who are rich. But you'd rather be depressed not because you live in an S-hole, right? You'd, yeah. You'd I rather mean, be depressed because you can't uh, connect with uh, your family or right. just some other stupid thing that uh, rich people, or your pool is uh, too warm. Or But I mean, <laughs> I they, were, they were basically treating Serena at her home like a NASCAR every day with six people bringing her. Yeah. Like every, yeah, that's going to be easier. Her meals. Right. Do, uh, doing all the cleaning. <laughs> full anyway. Pit, full pit crew. Yeah, I had a lot of fun going through the Celebrity 100, especially number 13, Bill Simmons. All right, interstitial. Want to change gears? Got a little bit of response yesterday from uh, a couple of friends in the broadcast world um, who said, hey, you might want to do a little bit of a Kemp spin on Jim Nance. <laughs> This yesterday after we centered our coverage of the um, Charles Schwab Colonial Challenge Tournament on Jim Nance and his very awkward interactions with Harold Varner, his sponsor reads that he blew. It was just good to have Nancy back in our lives. Well, the thing about getting divorced, I think whenever, especially whenever you make a ton of money. I don't even think getting divorced sucks as bad as having to go to court and testify and having that become public would suck. I think if you if you're if you're just at the point where the differences are irreconcilable, which is that a term that's only used in divorce? Like we talk about ensuing kickoff. Blake said, said earlier that you only hear tribulations whenever it's after trials. Yeah. Irreconcilable differences seems to only be used when it comes to divorce. Uh, what you don't want to do is have to go into a place where you are sworn in and be honest about your relationship to a impartial arbiter and then likely the public. And that is what happened to Jim Nance back in 2009 whenever he got divorced. And in this article that was in a Chicago paper, they described it as a uh, tearful courtroom. On both sides. Not only Nance, but his wife of 26 years, Lori Carlson Nance. Both testified about the breakdown of their marriage, what really went down at the end of it. Both parties broke down on the stand and outside the courtroom. Now, the first thing I'll let you know is that this is back in 2009, and it came out during this trial that Nance was making $7 million a year from CBS and various endorsements. Is it 10 now? 11? Got to be, right? So, the first thing I'll say is, I'm not a big fan of Jim Nance. But that means that we're supposing that Bill Simmons made eight times as much as Jim Nance last year. Yeah. <laughs> now, that might have been so largely one around thing. one deal, but still, that's bonkers. Uh, so, that was the first revelation uh, that they, that he was making around seven in 2009. 
says here, Nance cried on the stand as he testified about how his wife used to follow him around the country to various sporting events he was working at, but gradually lost interest in his career. She could not even be bothered to go to New York City to watch him collect a Man of the Year award or let him hang the oil painting of himself that he received with the award in their house. She made him put it in storage. (laughs) And, like, don't you just imagine for a guy like Nance how crushing that is? A guy who has his own wine line. Like, would you ever want an oil painting of yourself up? No, of course not. Would you want to hang up the Big Mac Mavs jersey? (laughs) And your your wife's like, no, not not over the mantle. But he was moved to tears over the fact that he couldn't and just recalling the story. Not even, it wasn't during the time. Imagine how he would have been sobbing during that time. He was offered the hosting slot on the season. So wait, the wife won't go with you on a business trip and you're really upset? Right. He's like, I got to go to Augusta again. She said, Well, I thought I didn't didn't like Nance before this segment. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. And he's complaining, crying about that on the stand. Right. What if if you're like, Yeah, I'm going to uh, Oxnard this year for Cowboys training camp, and man, my wife wouldn't go. So sad. I may have to stay back. You guys got a ISDN or. It's just terrible that she won't go. Right. (laughs) And then the oil painting for the Man of the Year award. He was offered the hosting slot of the CBS Early Show. So this is kind of like after the news in the morning, they'll do like your little Good Morning America type. Oh, yeah? Boy, that's big money, too. Huge money. money. But turned it down because she was against it. So we're back on possibly... So he wanted to do it. She's like, eh, I don't know. That's what he says. I won't do it then, honey, because I love you so much. Back to you. Now, he admitted... Now, let's go back to, to my wife. That before the divorce was final... He did start to date a 29-year-old woman. He was 50 at the time. All right. Uh, There may be that little thing. This was deemed immaterial because the judge concluded that the marriage deteriorated earlier, and this remote event in no way contributed to the breakdown of the marriage. Not at all. So that's an interesting one where you're like, I'm not divorced yet. But the marriage is already broken down. But that's subjective. So you're in your mind thinking... Do you think someone else would look at this and say it's already broken down? I think it... Well, let me talk to you about that 29-year-old. But, right, like, you're kind of playing with fire there because you may think it's broken down. Right. But you now you have to convince a judge it was so broken down that right. whenever you start nailing this uh, bartender... But I started crying to prove right. that it was broken down. I'm sure he did. It was so broken down because I couldn't hang a picture of myself <laughs> in the study. <laughs> Apparently, it was really emotional all the way around because, again, they were married for 26 years. Um, Did she yeah. take them hard for she get a lot of that money? Uh, 72000 monthly in alimony until he dies or his ex-wife remarries. Now, let's see. I should have looked up whether or not Boy, she's remarried. I ain't remarrying for sure. Why would you? Right. Just become an old coog living on... Yeah, just just date. You don't have to <laughs> three. I wonder uh, what three that, quarters of a million dollars if you're a year. Common law married would that uh, cut into that seventy two thousand dollars a month? Yeah, and his kid, I believe, was still a minor at this time because it says another thousand dollars weekly in child support for the next two years. There's another because the seventy two right does not cover that. What would you do? <laughs> like, what would you do with seventy two? Like, what if you had to spend it? Could you? 
Well, you know, you couldn't put it in the bank. Isn't that the bit that if you've ever had a buddy who got divorced and uh, he goes and picks up his kid and then he sees a uh, new boyfriend of ex-wife over there, like, yeah, wiping down his jet ski or his boat. <laughs> right. Like, That's what he paid Son for. Son of a bitch. He yeah. paid for that jet ski. So then amp that up to it's Jim Nance's $72,000 a month and think of what you could do with that if you were the 29-year-old uh, flip side. Like, you're the 29-year-old male. And it's Jim Nance's ex-wife, and now you've got his eight hundred thousand dollars a year to mess around with. And look, kids can only you know sixty, seventy k a year for the kid. The rest of it's well, actually, you know what? If you're Jim Nance's kid, that probably covers one semester of tuition. Yeah, you're going to a private school. school for sure. Yeah, you have a driver. Yeah. Well, I want to have a driver, bro. But as bad as this is, I want to say non-starter, and I want to have a driver. How much would you pay? Just to have a little two-minute clip of Nancy up there crying about how he, she would let him hang the painting up. <laughs> what if that thing was pay-per-view, man? Next, we have Button Talk. So what, may I ask, is Button Talk? Well, it's it started a few weeks ago whenever you were mentioning a, a debate, which I'm certain that you lost, with one of your daughters about how she washes her clothes. And you said, "Well, what are you not going to separate out the colors and the whites? And you got to do you got to do some hot, some cold." She said, "I put it all in there. I put it on one setting, and I press on." She doesn't put it on a setting. She just turns it on and presses. Whatever the, the setting was previously. So if it was, and I just took pictures of this for you, but I also want to say, I did lose the the debate. But then I nodded at the end and say, "I think you correctly won." I. I didn't, like, fight to the death and say, I will never change my mind. Right. And then shook my head because she's just a millennial or a Zoomer or whatever she is. I just said, yeah, you're probably right in the long run. What does it matter if I do, like, warm, warm with low spin and a light soil level <laughs> uh, or the uh, extra wash. I'm looking at the buttons I have on my washing machine. Or what if you did cold, cold with a high spin and a normal soil level? Nobody knows. She just she presses power, then she presses start. Right. Whatever was on, she's like, it's all going to be the same thing at the end. And so this got me thinking as I was looking at my own... <laughs> My own laundry uh, dry, uh, washer and dryer, and then my dishwasher. That these things are way too fussy, and it's all a scam. It's like unleaded and uh, super premium. It's just a bunch of buttons and labels, and none of it really matters. What about your dishwasher that says "delicate"? Okay, let me read you the ones on my, on <laughs> my dishwasher. Mean? Right? Okay. Uh, I have uh, options here for rinse only. First of all, why would I ever put dirty dishes in the dishwasher and just be like, just get them kind of wet? Has anyone For ever... For psychopaths. <laughs> rinse. Has anyone ever used rinse only in your dishwasher? That button has never been touched. Next to that, I have yeah. one hour wash. Well, I don't know. Just do it the amount of time it takes. I don't... Well, how long <laughs> does it usually take? It seems like it's about 30 minutes. Oh, that's it? 40 minutes. Okay. Because mine is like... A two-hour thing, bro. Same here. And, like, I remember back in my day when you had the coils at the bottom that would dry and all that. Uh-huh. They don't have that anymore. 
Okay, well, here's my question. That it would be like an hour wash or a 45-minute thing, and now it's two hours and 15 minutes or something. So if it's two hours and 15 minutes, why do I have an option for a one-hour wash? If I open it up, is everything half? Is there half food? Well, I have a speed perfect button. <laughs> why would you not? Why would you not always so that, do that? <laughs> or express. My express wash will wash it in forty-five minutes. Or I have one button that says half load. Okay, that one might kind of make sense. But you- how would? <laughs> <laughs> well, why is there? Do they then use half the water? Yeah. How? Uh, it just Why? I'm sure it throttles it somehow. Like if you've got half the dishes to wash, that would actually kind of make sounds sense. sounds like that a stand-up routine. Okay, well let's go to the one next to it. All right. Next to one hour. Or wash heavy? Of my... course, I have heavy. So yeah, okay. does it go more? We'll, like we'll get to heavy. I've got light slash china. So does it kind of just sprinkle it on there? But that... then it's not getting clean, right? I would think not. Next to that, I like, have like if you put the china in with the regular load. Would it break your dish? Like, is the spray going so hard that it breaks your dish? And you just got glass everywhere. Next to that, I have... Let me tell you about China. Oh, dear. dear. Oh, boy. Because I have, in the closet here, in the storage, is my mom's China set, which she gave me, which belonged to her mom, which belonged to her... It's really old, right? Wow. We're never going to use it. Have you ever used it? No, I remember as a kid, like, some real special thing. I can't remember why she pulled it out. I don't really even know what it means. Is it just I'm I'm afraid that if I set it down, it would break. I'll show you our china set someday, Jake. Well, next to china, I have normal wash. That seems like the one I should go with. Okay, well, next to normal wash is heavy duty. And next to heavy duty is... Pro wash. Oh dear! <laughs> but <laughs> I just assumed that was the best one because it's now, got do the you name put... Pro right there. So I just use that one every time. And my point is just, why would you not just pick the best? Okay, if you're telling me there's a, a heavy duty, wouldn't I want everything washed that way? Oh, what about pots and pans? Okay, okay, just wash everything the same and dry everything. Now I have Pro wash and I have Pro dry. I don't know what that you have means. Amateur wash, <laughs> right? Do you do you have do you guys like? I've known people that will leave caked food on their dishes and put it in the dishwasher. No, yeah. I basically <laughs> wash everything off it. Yeah, you got to do at least most of it. But I've seen, like our cousins used to put like there'd be caked dried spaghetti mm. and sauce on their plate. Just throw it in there, and they'd be like, "No, I'm. It's a dishwasher." And then I would hear someone else yell at them and say, it's not a garbage disposal. And then my wife is more on the side of just throw it in dirty. She's like, because the new ones nowadays do blah, blah, blah with food. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's right. From Ty's dishwasher, I see here, Sani rinse. So one day, I've seen word, that. Sanitized Sani? down to S-A-N, like it's a uh, 10 to noon. What does sanitize mean? Like it's extra hot water? Sani rinse? Okay, what is? And then the one next to it on ties says heat dry. Well, instead of cool dry. <laughs> I don't think any of these buttons do anything. Is what I'm telling you, Dan. None of them. I don't think the ones on your washer. I don't think any of it matters. I think on. Uh, here's my. Uh, you need to. Here's how you can find out. You put your kid in there, and then you talk to her <laughs> afterwards after each one. My uh, my washer here. Uh, I've got. Haven't we always all been confused by? 
permanent press? <laughs> I've never pressed that one, and I'm afraid. <laughs> Someone give me a succinct definition on what permanent press is. Well, why is... Okay, my washer has wool. Yeah, so does mine. Hand wash wool. Wool, delicates, or permanent press. Or towels. Permanent press is like slacks, right? Or something, you know? But I wouldn't put I wouldn't put my slacks in the washer. I'd take them to the dry cleaner. Right. And if you're telling me that I can put stuff in the washer, ostensibly my sta- my slacks go in there. Permanent press means they're not getting wrinkled, right? That's the idea. They're pressed. Why wouldn't I do that with all my clothes then? If you're telling me that this this appliance has the option of washing something and not getting it wrinkled, well, I'd like that for everything. Just make that the normal setting. It doesn't make any sense. But will it not there are get no, the towel clean? There are no bullets in these guns. It's fake. We can revolt. Here's mine. It says uh, for my temperatures, I can go tap cold, cold, warm slash cold, warm, and hot slash cold. What's tap cold? I have no idea. Just uses the tap water. It doesn't regulate Chill the temperature. It. Okay. Soil level. I've got a little meter here where I can go from light up to normal all the way to heavy. Well, let's just do everything on heavy and get the stuff clean. <laughs> that yeah, was but, heavy. But you might have delicates. What does that even mean? What's a delicate? <laughs> like doilies. No, it's just a Very word of delicate. Seen. Yeah. Right. Do you have one delicate piece of clothing, Jake? <laughs> I, I don't know because and I, I want it out. Because I, I don't know what that is. His Bush T-shirt. Yeah. That one I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to lose that one now. The only one of ours on the crew that made any sense was Minos because he's poor. Yes. And he, Is this and, your apartment and the one, complex? At his apartment, his, uh, his washing machine has three buttons, although they still kind of don't make sense. Whites and colors, thereby proving... That's what I use for everything. That they can be done together. Whites and colors. Yes. And integrated. It's very progressive. Right. Permanent press and delicates. And then on the dryer, he's got normal and delicates. And I think that has it right. I think these insane features we pay for on all these appliances are a complete waste of time. I think we're overbuttoned, and I don't think anybody uses 90% of them. It's just something the guy in the store shows you to make you feel like, you know, this washer could go to space if it needed to. It doesn't. We're overbuttoned, Dan. I have sensor dry or manual dry. Well... Give me two sentences. Well, the sensor dry, if it says it's going to take an hour, it ends up taking two hours. Like it's sensing if it's dry enough to stop. And you like to take and, your clothes out a little damp? And manual dry is you set it for 60 minutes and it will stop after 60 minutes. But then there's a button that says wrinkle release. What does that mean? <laughs> no one knows because none of it is real. Hmm. None of it. And here, I'll take you a step further here since you sent me a picture of your microwave. Outside of popcorn, is anybody walking over and being like, oh, I see here, uh, I in fact do have a frozen entree. I'll press the frozen entree button. Or do you just put two minutes? Well, there's one that says frozen vegetable. And you've never used and potato. It. I've potato. never. Potato. Mine has one, yeah. I've seen, mine has one that says pizza. Very specific. One that, okay. It says popcorn, potato, yeah, rice. But- 
I've wanted to use those, but I've never been motivated enough to actually do it. Like, if you <laughs> pressed it, does it just <laughs> it go works. two minutes? And if I put a piece of pizza in there and press fe- uh, fresh vegetable, does you my get, pizza come out? Well, it's a broccoli. Even popcorn, <laughs> I do like cauliflower. I just put the time on the popcorn. You've never used a popcorn button? No. I think I have used that, and I don't know why that one seems grandfathered into me. But the rest of it, no, I just select the time. I don't press... What about auto defrost or express defrost? Dan's micro- or bread defrost. Dan's microwave has a button that simply says soften. <laughs> like, what the hell does that mean? Soften what? Uh, boy, this food, it is hard. It must become soft. I see the perfect feature here for it to soften. Bash your appliances with, uh, with a bat because uh, it's all made up. Bad Radio Talks with Kent Scott, who played Raphael in the Ninja Turtles movies. A couple days ago, Dan said, hey, I got an email, and I think I have a guest proposal for you, and now here's more on that email with well, Dan McDowell. Here's the email. Hey, Dan, my name is Ken Scott. I played Raphael in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies of the 90s. This year is the 30th anniversary of the first film. I also starred in the International Martial Arts cult hit showdown and I worked as a stuntman and stunt coordinator for many years including for the CIA I currently live in Fort Worth I'm a big fan of the ticket been listening this month as you guys have all been discussing martial arts throughout the month including the Bruce Lee documentary now on ESPN and uh, he just said you know threw me his phone number and his email and said he'd be available oh he's also written a book called Teenage Ninja to Mutant Turtle, becoming the real Raphael, R-E-E-L. Get it? Like movies? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Says it was an Amazon bestseller. So Jake gave me the thumbs up, said, yeah, let's talk to him. And joining us on the phone line now, it's Ken Scott. Fort Worth's, well, he wasn't born in Fort Worth, but he's Fort Worth's now. Ken with two N's. Hey, Ken. How you doing, guys? It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Pleasure is all on this side of the table, Ken. <laughs> well, calabunga to that, man. <laughs> all right. I have, uh, I have a lot for you, Ken Scott. First of all, how long have you been in the area? How long have you lived in Fort Worth? Uh, I moved from Los Angeles to Fort Worth probably about seven years ago. So a, a little bit of time uh, to set up a new life here and really enjoying it. We should say this, too. Uh, so you weren't Raphael in the first movie, right? Well, technically, yes, I was. But it's a little bit of a tricky story. And, and that's hopefully that's what makes the book so fun is it shares the story. I actually started, they shot the movies in North Carolina. And that's where I grew up. And my whole dream when I was growing up was to be a movie action hero. All I wanted to do was be Jean-Claude Van Damme or Arnold Schwarzenegger and what have you. And so this movie showed up in North Carolina, and I had a chance to audition to be an extra. So for people who know the movies, the arch nemesis of the turtle is a guy named the Shredder. Shredder the The Shredder has a whole army of ninjas that work for him called the Foot. And so because they shot the movie in North Carolina, they hired a bunch of local North Carolina martial artists to play the foot soldiers. And basically, they were considered special abilities extras. They made 75 bucks a day, and you basically got your butt kicked by the turtles throughout the movie. So 
I got one you. of these jobs. Okay. Yeah, that was me. I, I auditioned for Pat Johnson, a very famous stunt coordinator. For those who have ever seen the original Karate Kid, he's the referee at the end. He's a very famous karate guy. Anyway, auditioned for him, which was nerve-wracking enough, and got the job as one of the foot soldiers. So in the credits, I'm actually credited as talkative foot number two is one of my credits in the first movie. And I was being paid 75 bucks a day. I was getting my butt kicked by the turtles. And then early on in the shooting of the first movie, the guy that was the stunt guy for Raphael, who was doing all the fighting, he was a great stunt man from Hong Kong. We did a scene and they, he broke his nose during the scene. And because he broke his nose, he couldn't wear the Ninja Turtle costume anymore. The head wouldn't fit on him. They needed somebody to become the new Raphael. And I guess they thought I had the right skills and I was definitely the right height. First time being under five foot eight has ever really helped me that much in my life. And I fit into the Raphael costume. And so for the first movie, I did all the action and fighting for Raphael. And then when the second movie rolled around, Secret of the Use, um, I... I was sort of, I guess, promoted from stunt turtle to I became the actor turtle. And that's the guy that wears the suit with the different electronic motors in the head that controls it. And so somebody else became the stunt double for Raphael. So I went from being extra ninja to being stunt turtle to being acting turtle across the span of that one year of the two movies. How much more than $75 do you make per day on that? Well, back then, you're talking the early 90s, so uh, that allowed me to get my Screen Actors Guild card, which is a huge step for anybody pursuing an acting career. And once you get that, your day rate goes from 75 bucks to probably about 500 bucks for a day, which, you know, you don't get rich off of, but at those times, you're like, hell yeah, I'll take that. So it was great. And how old are you at this time? This was my very first job out of college, so I was 21 years old, uh, maybe going right at 22, and uh, yeah, my first job out of college was being a ninja. This is Ken Scott. He was Raphael in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, which are huge, huge in my life, and uh, I have a bunch of questions about the suit, but I must ask, were you in the suit whenever Rafi got jumped? Uh, yes. Oh, uh, you're, talking about, you're talking about on the roof of April O'Neil's apartment. Funny enough, Jake, basically what happens is when, when that scene starts, you see Raphael on the roof. He's by himself. He's supposed to be angry and running around the, the roof of New York. And then the foot soldiers come out of nowhere and beat the hell out of Raphael. And he crashes through the skylight into April O'Neil's apartment. Well, because Raphael is basically unconscious from that point, Every time you see a foot soldier on screen swinging and breaking through the windows or fighting against the turtles, more often than not, I'm that foot soldier in that scene because Raphael wasn't needed. And most notably, when all the foot soldiers break in and Michelangelo goes, oh, a fellow chucker, eh? And they do the nunchuck scene. I'm the guy in black doing nunchucks against Michelangelo. Did you find uh, that nunchucks are a lot heavier than you thought that they were? My, my stepdad was a cop for some years and brought them home, and I thought, these are awesome, and you can, like, barely pick them up. It's not as easy as it looks. Well, there's all kinds, certainly hardwood nunchucks and plastic nunchucks of different weights. Fortunately for me, the reason I got this job in the first place is I've been doing martial arts since 1979. I started when I was 12 years old, competed around the country, uh, trained a lot. It was basically my whole life. Uh, other people are baseball, basketball, football, whatever. For me, it was all martial arts, all competing. And nunchucks was really one of the weapons that was my specialty. So I auditioned with the nunchucks. 
And then when they were looking for someone to play that part, I actually had to compete against two other guys who did nunchucks. We all performed for the producers and got it. Now, when I was a kid, because nunchucks are so heavy in wood, I used to crack myself all the time trying to work with these things. So I got the bright idea to go in my closet and grab a skateboard helmet. And I started wearing a skateboard helmet every time I worked with the nunchucks so I wouldn't knock myself out. And once we got to the movies, the ones in the movies are actually light stunt nunchucks, so uh, hopefully there's not too much danger there. Do you own a sword? Someone told me that if you're a nunchuck guy, you own a sword. Uh, Yes, I've got a few that have been (laughs) hanging around, and I was very glad to see that Texas passed a law where you can carry swords around, so... Basically, I walk up and down the street now with a big samurai sword on my back. Now, I, of course, uh, I have an affinity for Raphael. I find him to be the most relatable for me. But that being said, can you admit that the Psy is the weakest of the four weapons? (laughs) I will say that in the right hands, I would never agree with you, Jake. The Psy can be devastating. What you say? It's like a three-pronged, you got a handle and then three prongs. Uh, it's like a little mini-sword, but it's like a tri-sword. I don't know. You just you have yeah, to see basically, it. Basically, Dan, it's like a glorified hairpin from a lady's uh, uh, hairdo. It's a long uh, silver dagger with uh, sort of two little daggers that come off the side of it. And you can use that to catch sword blades or other weapons. Now, the side can be very effective because you basically have something that you can protect yourself with when somebody strikes with a sword, you can block with it. But if you get really good at throwing them, they can be one of the most effective weapons you can use. Yeah, I never considered throwing the side. This yeah, is Kent Scott. It doesn't work. Yeah, now you don't have a, now you're now you're down to one weapon. It's Kent <laughs> yeah. Scott from the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies joining us here on the ticket. He lives in Fort Worth now, listens to the station. Um, so I want to talk about the suit. Because I think when I was a kid, I was six years old, seven years old when I saw these movies, and I don't know that I was really thinking that there were people inside. I don't know what I was thinking, but now I've seen photos of you putting the suit on. So talk us through how long that takes, what a beating it is. I think you said there were some electrical like sensors in it. What was the, what was the scene with the turtle costumes? Well, basically, the turtle suits, for the time, they were cutting-edge technology. They were all manufactured by Jim Henson's organization, the people that do all the Muppets and Sesame Street and all that stuff. And they, they had developed a technology specifically for this movie that they called Puppet Tektronics. And so what they did is they, they were able to create these uh, motors and servos and remote control that would move all the eyes and the mouth and all that kind of stuff. But overall, the suit in and of itself is... You go, I got, they flew me to London and they basically took a body cast of, uh, they took a, a mold of my entire body. They made a statue out of that. And then they just pile clay on it like crazy. And then these amazing artists sculpt the turtle on top of your body cast. They then take a mold of that uh, turtle and then separate it. And when they put it together, they basically suspend the statue of your body in that mold and they inject it with foam latex, uh, so which means basically what a Nerf ball feels like is what the Ninja Turtle costumes felt like. They were sort of soft foam rubber almost. So you now have a skin-tight, basically like a diver's wetsuit, but it looks like a turtle. So it's two or three inches thick. Uh, it covers your body. And if you've ever worn a wetsuit, it makes you sweat like crazy. So we're wearing these skin-tight suits that are made out of multiple parts. You put on a little pair of pants that are basically the thighs of the turtle. Then you pull on a pair of boots that are basically the calves and the feet. 
and you cover that connection between the shin and the thigh with the leather knee pads that the uh. turtles had. Then you put on what basically looks like a little bolero jacket. That's your shoulders and your biceps. Then you pull on big gloves that are your forearms and your three fingers. And then uh, the last thing you do is there's a big shell, and you've got the front of the shell and the back of the shell, and it's connected by basically what's in essence a turtle taint. And you put the stuff up there, and you basically zip that up the side. You're now completely encased in this foam rubber suit. You pull a little uh, sort of uh, neoprene uh, hood over your head, and then you put on the turtle head, which is basically like a helmet, a space helmet. And they connect a wire from these motors that are in the head. There's a wire that runs down the back of your neck and goes into the shell. And underneath the shell was a computer console as well as a remote control receiver. And so off camera, the puppeteers for the Hensons would operate the mechanics of the suit. It would transfer through remote control, go through the shell, up the back and operate. So we're wearing basically 65 pounds of gear um, trying to move around and do martial arts and all that stuff. And inside, when you're acting, because of, you've got those 27 different motors in there, the puppeteer's operating them. So while you're inside trying to act, all you hear is these motors that are all around your head just going... <laughs> so you're basically inside a big rubber robot puppet suit, and it's hot as hell. It's Ken Scott. You can go check out his book, Teenage Ninja to Mutant Turtle. It's up there on Amazon uh, if you want to hear more of these stories about the making of these movies and his life. Is the hardest you ever had to act pretending to like uh, Vanilla Ice? (laughs) You know, that's an excellent question. Uh, Vanilla Ice was probably celebrating his 21st birthday when he was on the movie set. And, man, when that guy showed up, he showed up with a huge entourage they treated him like a king. The rest of us felt like we were treating, being treated just like poop on that set. He comes in, he's being treated like a king. We go to shoot his scene where he's doing the ninja rap on stage. And, man, that son of a gun could not remember the words to his own song. And he just kept stopping in the middle, and we're sweating our ass off in this thing. And it was just a pain in the ass. I don't think there was anybody on that set that really cared for those couple of days that we were doing those scenes with him. It's not a horribly complex song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. <laughs> so being a Ninja Turtle, did that translate into getting girls? Man, like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's just incredible that they bring him by the busload. No, nobody <laughs> knows who you are inside a Ninja Turtle suit. Once you start, to, what's amazing is I go to Comic-Cons around the country, sometimes around the world, too. And when you meet fans that are into the Ninja Turtles, and again, I'm not Raphael. I'm a guy that was inside the suit portraying Raphael. But when you meet fans, they project that onto you. I become Raphael. And I'll tell you what, people... People sit in front of you, they break down in tears. They just want to hug. They want to hang out. And it is so moving to see how much this movie has affected so many people's lives, not just in a fan way, but oftentimes in a real positive way because of the positive messages of brotherhood and family and all that that the Ninja Turtles taught. So, yeah, there's a lot of fans out there. But in terms of rock star play, it ain't going there. So you meet a lot of dudes, though, a lot of nerdy teenagers. And me. 
Yeah, well, you yeah. were a nerdy teenager at one point. I'm just saying now you're a former nerdy teenager. Nerdy adult. Yeah, that that it's kind of like becoming a sports radio host. <laughs> I thought it would translate into tons of chicks, and it seems like there's a lot more sausage in this factory. <laughs> well, what's interesting is it's not mostly guys that are the fans. You've got guys and girls that you'll meet at the cons and all over the place. So it's it's equal across the board. But, really? You know, if you ever, yeah, yeah. I'm calling bullshit on that. But <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. Hey, you can come down to a Comic Con. I'll be at the Greater Austin Comic Con in October, and you guys can come on down and hang out. You'll see it for yourself. Okay. Now, how does I'll this, be there? How does this uh, end up uh, involving the CIA? Well, I I was an actor for several years. That was again my first job out of college was being a ninja. Um, I did two Ninja Turtle movies. Right after that, I moved to Los Angeles to pursue the rest of my career. Uh, the, the following year or two, um, I starred in a movie called Showdown, uh, which was a huge martial arts cult movie. Basically, it's a ripoff of Karate Kid, and I'm Ralph Macchio in that movie. And the girl I fall in love with is Christine Taylor, the girl that eventually went on to marry Ben Stiller. So, well, oh, Billy Blanks is in this movie. Yes, Billy Blanks plays my teacher. And I'm the kid in the movie. Have you seen it, Jake? I have not. I now uh, would like to. This is the first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it was a huge hit across the world. In Germany, it's known as American Karate Tiger. And here we are, like, almost 25, 30 years later, they just released a cult DVD edition. And actually, in the United States, uh, MVP, a video company, just released a cult edition of Showdown as well, just last year. So 25, 30 years later, this thing's still going. So... Anyway, I was working as an actor for a while, doing a lot of movies, and eventually stepped behind the camera and started being a stunt coordinator and a second unit director and a director. And one of the jobs I got was uh, the CIA was making some training films because as they send agents and people around the world, they have to show them, hey, don't do this, don't do that, do do this. So I was hired to second unit direct some training films for the CIA, and basically that's because there's a lot of action. We did a lot of war and battle recreations and things like that to show what could go wrong if you open your mouth in a coffee shop sitting by the side of the road and somebody overhears you. So it was basically directing and stunt coordinating for the CIA. Very cool. Well, Ken, we really appreciate it. Uh, your book, Teenage Ninja to Mutant Turtle, go check it out on Amazon. Is there, or is there a place where you'd prefer people buy it? Like, I don't really know how Amazon works. Is that a grift for the author? No, Amazon is fantastic. It's a great portal. But if anybody wants to see some behind-the-scenes videos, uh, see, meet me, um, basically see the book and find a way to buy it, you can go to turtleconfessions.com. TurtleConfessions.com. All right, Raphael, we appreciate your time today. Maybe I'll see you out at Lola's sometime. Guys, anytime. I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of the ticket, and I appreciate you guys having me on today. Yes, sir. Man. Thought I was going to get emotional there when he was talking about what the turtles meant to so many of us, Dan. <laughs> okay. That's Come- awesome. Finally, the hang zone with Corby Davidson. Come on, baby, get up, no time to waste. Oh, get your coffee on, ticket, Dan and Jake. Time to get your ticket up, stick it in your tailpipe. Oh, babe, time for the hang, hang zone coming at you. 
That's right. This is how we've dressed up the idea of having a guest on for an hour. <laughs> uh, we call it the hang zone. And uh, this week's victim in the hang zone slash hot seat, Corby Davidson. Look, here's the deal. I'm a little nervous. You guys got the uh, the heat lamps on and... The author of Look, Here's the Deal. You're going to roast me. I ask if you'd like a smoke. Yeah. A cup, <laughs> cup of coffee? How many sugars? Oh, man. You know what? I was listening to your program earlier today, Dan, and uh, I hate to tell you that your, your hang zone guest is one guy that is anti-slurpy. Ah. Uh. <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> mark that. <laughs> Don't know how I feel about that from a number of levels. I know, man. I haven't had one since I was like probably twelve. This guy, dude, you just—he's—he's he's a snake. He is he the just snake. Doesn't he care. just doesn't care. He runs through the yeah stop signs and uh, my uh, my way of positioning it is that I love I love the vendor. Maybe that item not for me, but always an enjoyable experience when I visit there. I mean, like I'm talking about the concept of. Ice, like a, like a snow cone. I don't like those either. Like any of that type what? of stuff, I'm just, I'm yeah, out. Yeah, I'm with you for the most part. I mean, I'm out. if we're being honest here, it's a vehicle for booze. Uh. If, if anything else, you know, your, you know, your slushy drink in high school or maybe college. But uh, what about now the renaissance of the, what is it, uh, uh, frozen fruit stick popsicle, but it's like they have uppity ones now. Like with real fruit in it? Yeah, you know, like you've got popsicle places where you can buy a real nice one. And some There's one on have. Lower Greenville. Yeah. You know, there was a food truck that was around my house. I didn't see this, but I guess there was a, a like an adult party, like before all this hit, um, where whoever, you know, organized the party that I didn't show up to, they had like uh, like food trucks, but one of the food trucks was adult, like liquor-flavored ice cream or uh, like snow cones or whatever like you were saying Jake but I didn't realize they actually sold those I only thought those were like real renegade homemade type things oh no oh no 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 like you can get a buzz from eating a oh yeah a snow cone or even a popsicle in some cases yeah yes that they just jack them up with liquor and there you go and this guy over here, he's very confused about the concept of eating something that gives you a buzz. No, right. no. I, what is this I, eating the, thing? The stuff that messes you up. Right. Well, no, it made me think. It's do, sweets. Do they That's have, crazy. Do they have <laughs> pot? Do they have pot popsicles? Um, popsicles. I, I bet I'm they sure do. Why don't we start a new business called popsicles? Well, because it's illegal. Well, we don't have to be here. Yeah. Let's leave right now. We we have proven we can broadcast from anywhere, Jake. That's true. We could be in Oregon right now. Like I'll just move my garage to Oregon. <laughs> Rank the members of the of the staff by who's bum to most bum to least bummed about uh, Oxnard. Me? Well, yeah. Are you it's asking open, me? Or? Open question. Because obviously I'm it's very me. bummed. But then you got golf guys over here that. That, yeah, but you could take golf away completely, and it would not 
that's not like the calling card for me when it comes to going out there at all. It is one million percent the weather, the vibe, all of it. Mainly the this? weather. Mainly the weather. The weather's great. But I would go somewhere with less great weather just to leave home for a couple of weeks and just yeah, have sure. and some alone time. And If we're looking at that Madden rating column, I think I lead the league on that one. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. I've got I, you know, I don't golf, but uh, if you're talking about what, needing to get away, yeah, your kids are basically on autopilot. You don't do anything. Yeah, my dad be deadbeat dads at this point. Your kids barely even know that you're you'd be gone. Mine, right. mine would. Well, but it's not they about don't care. them caring about me being gone. It's, <laughs> it's about me. I'm still beaten by right, just life at home. Lots in of general. stuff around here. Yeah, no, it's a, dude. It's a huge, huge letdown. Like it was depressing when I heard the news officially that they weren't going to go out there again. Golf is just something to do. Like, golf for me is something to do to enjoy the weather out there. It's not that I'm going to play golf everywhere I go. I don't care about golf. Like, I really don't. That's just, hey, let's go hang out with the fellas and I'll go play. But for me, like, no, I I barely play golf here. Barely. I'm just worried I'll lose track of the linebacker rotation, you know, depth battle. (laughs) That, too. (laughs) That, too. How will I be able to to get my season prediction so wrong... After watching, you know, five or six practices, or <laughs> that's really okay. If I if we added up all of the time we spent like watching a practice, would it equal one entire practice? For me, depends on if you count Bob or not. No, Corby. No. Yeah. So we're there for two weeks. How much time did we sit and stare at practice? Certainly. Near the end of practice, we watch more because you're waiting to get on the field, waiting to do uh, wacky interviews. But much like I do, like either showing up to work or remote or whatever, I will coming in here for the hang zone. I will wait till the last possible second. So typically we're on the air. The snake. And so I will, you know, I'll wait till I hear the horn before I walk out of our tent to go down there just because I don't know. There's people and. Yelling. A lot of yelling down there, man. A lot of... The hoi polloi. Well, it's a lot of autograph people, and they're yelling real loud, and it's just, it's loud, and I don't like it. So let's talk about when, back in 99 or the Yeah, a lot of that, man. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Just makes me, just snake and not covering sports as hard as you think uh, somebody in sports media (laughs) might. And I'm not going to talk about the, the fight that HBO sent us to that, that we didn't go to. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't worry. Corby did it over 20 minutes a month ago. <laughs> but I do remember for real you talking about that you were at you. Your job was to cover the Rangers one night. Yeah. And you would do call ins like on the ticker. The ticker would be doing their ticker and they they let's throw it out to Corby Davidson who's at the game and then a stringer. Corby Yeah, a stringer and he would just be like, Well, third inning right now and the uh, Rangers are up one nothing and uh, Rick Helling is doing well and then some things happened. Back to you. Uh you actually did that from your apartment more than once. Let right? me just say this. <laughs> okay, a new segment called Let Me Just Say This. Is it that I did it from my apartment? Is that more impressive than the fact that I told you guys that I was doing it from my apartment? Like, I was like, yeah, you know, when I'm doing these, I'm kind of just there. But, see, uh, I had to do it. I could only do it for a couple innings, but I, I still had to go out there and, like, get tape. So I would leave, again, last minute, like in the seventh inning or something like that. 
You know, I'd be flipping back and forth between MTV and the Ranger game or whatever, and then just be like, so you had to have some oh, God, I got to go. What happened? And then I would be so depressed if it went into extra innings because I didn't time it correctly. Yeah. And then, you know, there were times where I could just, the game would end as I'm pulling into the parking lot, and I just would walk in the locker room, walk right out, and I'm done in 10 minutes, and I'm back here, and, it, you know, it takes no, and I lived in Deep Ellum, so I was right by 30, I-30, so it took me no time whatsoever. It's 15 minutes to the ballpark, and I'm going against traffic. Look, I was a trailblazer. Let's all admit it. Well, think about trimming the fat from, you know, big media and you, uh, newspapers who, you know, obviously their budgets were way bloated because they were like the only game in town. Think about the money we're spending there. Yeah. You know, we're paying Corby, first of all. It's not much, but still, paying him something. He's paying for gas, wear and tear on his car. He's going all the way to Arlington. Mm-hmm. He's parking. He's going in. He's doing this. To get what? What would they use on the ticker in the morning? <sighs> a couple of 15-second cuts? Yeah. Yes. All and, of that. All of that effort. There were times, too, so I had goals set. So I was a, I was a guy that had that was goal-oriented back yes. then. Yeah. Yes. Look so at I've you always now. known you. And so what I would do is the goal was <laughs> to time it perfectly. Like I just said, where I could just walk in, the players were, are all right there, and the goal was, the ultimate goal was, and I think I called this like, uh, I would use baseball terms, like Grand Slam or something like that. Where, <laughs> Jeez, were you a, a <clears throat> fifth grade poster? Yeah, yeah. So I would go in there, and the goal, the ultimate goal is to not say a word. So I would just get in a scrum, like I don't talk to anyone, I don't look at anybody, I just hold my microphone out there, I get the, like the answers from the pitcher and the manager, and I walk out of there, and I never have to talk. Never a uh, mention of a Volva. That was uh, a Tony Romo feeling going into this. <laughs> not so if I was doing have bits. a bunch of questions ready. You don't, you, if I was doing bits, I'd do bits. But you I don't mean, really have to because there's so many other guys. Yeah. The writers are trying to get all their questions in. They usually ask what you would ask anyway, so you can just sit there. Yeah. And I never lied about being at the house for 50% of those games. <laughs> Nobody ever asked, but I would tell you guys. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing those from the couch. Like, and, but I and I also do the old. Let's go to Corby Davidson from the ballpark, and I'd be like, hey, hang on, guys, just one second. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we're out here. In the, like, I act like you know, I'm being uh, t- quiet down here in the press box as I do my call. He's pointing you know? at the five footer and saying, hey, hey, shh, shh, shh. the dog on <laughs> bark. He's got a special effects cassette in the background of crowd yeah. noise and stuff. Right. It's like, Ferris were you Bueller. ever in the clubhouse baked? No. Never. No. Now, Dan, it seems like a, only a guilty man would ask. No, I never did, for sure. No. I'd be too scared. I was No, I couldn't do that, man. No it's way. It's kind of scary enough already. Yeah. Baseball clubhouses are... Now, yeah, I would be surprised that you told us that... You told Dan that back then if I didn't also know via you that you had sex with a girl on the board at work. Okay. See... After eating eight Taco Bell burritos. Yeah. Yeah. Spraying her with a Have Dr. You ever been around, Dr. Pepper bottle. Have you ever been around your kids baked? Don't ask that, dude. That's not cool. Uh, hey, of course. Yeah, sure. At some point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the girl thing, let's see. Come on. Now, that was. Look, after you said it, I tried it a lot. <laughs> I, I'm like, look. I don't know that I would ever tell anybody, but I was You're like, saying okay, at the ticket, I'm sitting this here. This is in college radio. At the ticket, you have had a girl in there and had sex in the control room. Now, this was two studios ago, so okay. everything's fine Thank in there. God. Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, it's just she wanted to do it, too, and it was there. And 
I'm not proud of it. Actually, I, think my I am. Girlfriend, like, I am proud of it. Brought me a That's sandwich perfect. once, and I'm like, uh, once, and I'm like, this is my shot. This is it. I got, it was like 1 a.m. or something. You're like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta try to push the envelope here. Yeah. You're like, what are you? Are you trying to put me on the board? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to awkwardly just kind of lift her up a little bit. I mean, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> Fire off SB Nation what radio. What's happening? <laughs> All right. Well, hang with us, Corby. I will. Because we are going to do what's called a break, and up next we are going to do what's called the 130 News, and right now we're going to hear what's called a tease. Time to talk about this Egg McMuffin. You know, that's Corby's favorite mode of transportation. That's I've right. told over the years. That's right. Old like Vaughn Lane. He's tried uh, bus, balloon, train. Well, we all know Hot air balloon, Vaughn slingshot. Lane. He's tried to be <laughs> slingshotted across. It's better than riding on a train. <laughs> Uh, or Von Crane. <laughs> yeah, Von, Von Crane. Crane. That was Danny's idea. Yeah. With Ron Dane. <laughs> yeah. Von Crane, where it takes you 36 hours to get to Austin. Right. And uh, you're just up there alone in the top of a crane with, That's Ron, not good. with Ron Dane driving. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's time for the 130 News with Jake. Big Dan. Raising Canes. I was forced into that. All right, before we get to the viral video, stop it, viral video of the day, I feel like we need to clean this up because last Friday it was Hawaiian Shirt Friday. And Dan read us a report about how a certain uh, pro-gun, you might call them far-right group that had typically just been online, had co-opted the Hawaiian shirt and were showing up to rallies, whether they were uh, reopening rallies or now uh, Black Lives Matter rallies, with Hawaiian shirts on with uh, long guns, or as Corby calls them to upset everyone, machine guns. (laughs) Does that upset gun guy? Hey, man, you don't know your guns, you idiot. (laughs) Yeah, so I just keep calling them machine guns. It also does sound very childish. Right. Machine gun. They show up... Uh, armed to the nines and wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And Dan read a report about how this was actually their goal. Um, we're, we're speaking of the Boogaloo Boys. Oh, yeah, the Boogaloos. Now, the Boogaloo Boys are named as such. Do you see that big old meat whistle that got arrested for roids? Or is that the story? No, we did that story yesterday. Okay. Is we've had a... The meat whistle. <laughs> we're learning a lot about the Boogaloo Boys over the last couple of days. They are named that way. Uh, and I got to hand it to them. Much like once upon a time, maybe someone on this station said, just because a foreign adversary was a foreign adversary doesn't mean they didn't have cool uniforms. I think it's possible to say the branding of naming yourself because you want to see the second Civil War after breaking two electric boogaloo. Can I say that's kind of clever? It's okay, right? And it is disarming, right? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, the boogaloo boys were here in Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, but well, okay, first off... At least a picture I saw of old Roydo that, that was that was doing it. Yeah, and you know he was at Shelley Luther rallies, right? Really? Yeah, he was at the Shelley Luther rally uh, whenever she was trying to reopen, and he was also at that bar I think out in maybe Midland that got shut down. Okay, they were traveling. Yeah, but it's not because Hawaii. When you think of Hawaiian shirts, you think of like loose fitting, comfortable, you know, guy at beach type thing, or at a Jimmy Buffett show. These guys, because they're Roydy, they're like. 
extra small Hawaiian shirt with the sleeves cut off. It's not the same vibe, man. It's not the good times vibe I'm looking for. I think of Hopper from Stranger Things. Yeah. I Same thing. His feud with Eleven. Who can unsettled. forget? But uh, <laughs> I would say that while I agree with you, Corby, it's a little more good time vibe than camouflage. Yeah. <laughs> Even I'll if it's a tighter fit. Yeah, that makes you think of Nam. I'll give right. you that. And so Dan read this report about how the move, the movement, as it, as it is now being described, is guys who are really pro-gun, they're showing up at the these BM. rallies. To uh, the Boogaloo movement, yes. The black, yeah. To the uh, cause chaos and havoc at these rallies. We got an email from a P1 who said, I'm a huge fan of the station, love all the shows. I'm a part of the Boogaloo Boys, and all I want is to keep my gun. I have no really other political beliefs. I don't go to rallies. I don't really have a political party or candidate that I favor. And I read that on the air and said, this is the account from a P1. This is what he's telling us. Well, well, I read that on Monday, and then yesterday, a man who was arrested in the last couple of weeks named uh, Air Force Staff Sergeant Stephen Carrillo, he's been charged with two murders, both of uh, law enforcement officers, one on May 29th, one on June 6th, so these are old murders, but yesterday, the FBI announced that he is a member of the movement. Wow. As was his accomplice. So this isn't some bit. Like, this is a legit I, thing. Well, that's where it gets dicey, right? Is that if you have this group, and most of the guys are just in chat rooms and posting memes. Is it more real than Antifa? Uh, I think they're similar in that they don't really have a headquarters or a leader. It's just a bunch of... Like, there's not that many of them. No. And they typically stay online. But then, now, there are two cops. I think one of them was uh, maybe a guy who worked at a jail... The other one was a Santa Cruz police officer. But, yeah, May 29th to June 6th. I'm telling you this because I feel like I have to. After Monday, we read an email from a guy saying, ha! Just hang out. I just like my gun. Well, Wait, now it why would out, he kill a cop? I- they're anti-government. Oh. So they showed up on May 29th at a federal courthouse a couple blocks away from where the protests were happening in Oakland. And they knew that the cops would be, because they, they have their, their chats now, have been uh, some of them have been made public. And they're like, hey, these guys are going to be way more focused on the protest, but if we can find somebody that's back behind, we can probably kill them and get away. And they did. And they went on the run. And in the process of being on the run, on June 6th, a Santa Cruz police officer attempting to stop them was also killed. They So found- are they anti-black people, too? Because sometimes you would think people going to a rally, that's a protest, but then they cause... You know, they throw something through a window or something. They're trying to make the protest look like a yes. riot. I yeah. would assume that. And, or if so, if they if they're trying to kill a cop who's at the back of the line, are they trying to make that look like the Black Lives Matter people are the one who did that? I like think they want. The way I would describe it to you is is that they are anti-state and pro-chaos. Okay, this is what I don't understand. Like, I go home, I eat my meatloaf or whatever, and I watch TV and get up and listen to music and exercise and, you know, whatever. Go to work. Who wants to be involved in chaos? Like, what's the point of chaos? Well, I mean, (laughs) the disaffected, right? The dude who's just like, I got nothing. Like They don't have meatloaf. Right. 
or music. <laughs> so they just I just man chaos. What what kind of they're, life? They're what? Antima, anti meatloaf. <laughs> so stupid. When they finally caught the guy uh, seven days after the original killing, he had stolen a Toyota Camry from a driver at gunpoint. He abandoned the car nearby, uh, nearby after he scrawled the boogaloo-linked phrases on the hood of his car in his own blood. Did they trace him because of that? This guy, this that's a thing. Like Typically, you would, you would think that this is the disenfranchised, but did you just say this guy's an Air Force sergeant, staff yeah, sergeant? And apparently a pretty elite one. But what? It says in this article that his wife committed suicide in 2018. And that's what his attorney's trying to say, is that he had a brain injury, heavy trauma back about 10 years ago, and then his mm. wife killed herself in 2018, and he was, quote, left deeply shaken. Mm. Which, I don't know. I would just want my attorney to start with, he didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but <laughs> maybe if the evidence is overwhelming, you have to start on the insanity defense or the something. Yeah, Whoa. something to keep him Certainly out of a real the, prison. A terrorist okay, wait. All right. This says this guy Carrillo mm-hmm. um, was transferred to Travis Air Force Base a month after his wife's 2018 suicide. Had no disciplinary record in the Air Force at all. He was a Phoenix Raven team leader, which sounds like a uh, XFL team. A Phoenix Raven team leader heading an elite squad of security forces stationed at Travis Air Force Base. He served four months overseas in Kuwait in 2019. Yeah. So whenever that brain injury happened, it still allowed him to be the the leader of an elite security force. I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, because sometimes when I see these videos and I'm with my brother, he's like, these dudes have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, you see that online sometimes. The like, Boogaloo guys? Or just any guys who you see who want to show up to an open carry rally. A lot of times if you're with somebody who's either really, really hardcore gun guy who's been that way for a long time or, I don't know, military, they look at them and think, yeah, you don't you're playing dress your, up, bro. You don't have yeah. any idea. You don't know how to use it. And so that is normally the case, and I think most of them actually probably do not want it. But if you get a guy like this in there. That's scary he as hell. does know what he's doing, and he does believe that stuff. He very well might kill a couple people and go on the run for a week and make it very tough for you to You know what it is? It's Rambo. It is Rambo. Legit Rambo. It is Rambo. But what you're doing here then is saying, you're saying our P1's email is is not worthy because of this guy. Nah, I'm adding both sides. That I think the experience for most people is probably like the P1's is, which is it's joking online and he wants to keep his gun, and he's very serious about that I part, would think that would it. be most people are not right. looking to pick off cops. Right. But one most, day after most we did Most Boogaloo that, boys don't have a wife who committed suicide and severe mental problems. I or just, elite squadron training. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, I don't know what I really care about on on this planet, because the people that are... Like that guy, like he's so into keeping his gun that he joins the Boogaloo Boys. Spencer Rattler transfer? Yeah, that would affect me, yes, for sure. All right, we got to move on to this real quick, and I'll just play some of the audio. This is uh, going so use quarterback Dan. viral. She's being described, and I just I can't believe people are using this term, as Officer Karen. This is a video that was posted, uh, I think, initially to Facebook and uh, then to Twitter and on down the line. This is of a 15-year veteran. I believe, of the Richmond Hill Police Department in Georgia. She is a woman. She is filming herself in uniform. Not sure if she's still in her squad car or not outside of a McDonald's, and she is mad. 
She placed her order online ahead of time, and then this happened. They hand me my receipt, so I go to the second window to get my food, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And so the girl comes to the window and asks me what my order was. I repeat my order and my coffee um, order, and they ask me to pull up because my food's not ready. It's uh, an English muffin meal with a hash brown and coffee. And I mean, I hadn't eaten since uh, probably about, I mean, I've been up for a very long time, but I haven't eaten in a while, so I was kind of hungry. And I'm still waiting, and I'm still waiting. And they asked me to pull up. So I pull up forward, and uh, a girl comes out with my coffee, and just the coffee. And she hands it to me, and I have my window down. And that's all she hands me is the coffee. So I told her, I said, don't bother with the food, because right now I'm too nervous to take it. It doesn't matter how many hours I've been up. It doesn't matter what I've done for anyone. Right now I'm too nervous to take a meal from McDonald's because I can't see it being made. I don't know what's going on with people nowadays, but please just give us a break. Please just give us a break. I don't know how much more I can take. I've been in this for 15 years and I've never, ever had such anxiety about waiting for McDonald's drive through food. So just have a heart, and if you see an officer, just tell them thank you. Because I don't hear thank you enough anymore. What? All I want is just my... And the video cuts off. So in New York a couple days ago, a few cops uh, went and got some shakes from Shake Shack and said they got sick afterward, and I believe the New York... Uh, police department or maybe their union accused the employees at Shake Shack of, you know, some funny business with the shakes. That was later found to not be the case. They just got sick. I don't know if they got sick. I don't know what it was, but the investigation concluded there was no foul play. So she is posting this video to say she can no longer even get her food because she can't see it being made and she's scared about it, which I guess could be a reasonable concern. This time where there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of conversations about policing going on. If she's worried, that's fine. Understandable. Not sure I understand the need for the two-minute dramatization. Let's post it on Twitter, crying in my car. It just seems a little odd. It's a very bad look that... Because you had to wait on an egg sandwich. Yeah, and that that brings you to crying... Well, I certainly hope there's not a, a hostage situation that somebody calls you on that you have to go help out, or whatever it may be, right? A, a domestic violence situation that you have to go try and defuse. What? If if the Egg McMuffin is making you uh, cry. What or- is wrong with people? <laughs> like, seriously. What is wrong with this woman? Or, you know, having to pull over a car late at night, and, and if there's questionable circumstances... Yeah, I'm just not sure I trust your emotional stability to be able to hand some tough situations. And I need, you know, that's that's a job where you need to be able to have a steady hand on the helm at certain times. That's right? why I halfway thought it was fake when I first saw it. Because I don't know if you guys have ever met a female cop outside of them being a cop. But uh, they're usually pretty pretty hard MFers. 
a little yeah. bit. You know, they're not yeah. they're not the type of people that I would imagine would cry over an egg sandwich uh, or being worried about their food and post it on the internet um, at all. They typically, I think, a lot of times feel that they have to compensate and be even a little bit more like, "Hey, hard ass." But that's a weird move because it's a it's an egg sandwich. Yeah, they were going to bring it to you. And yeah, that's a pretty common occurrence, I think, from <laughs> as a drive-through veteran. Yeah, me or you? Me. I've often been told, "Hey, pull forward." Right. I don't like it. No, that's a common move because I always think, "Oh, now they're just focusing on the stuff that they're going to make for these people, and they're going to forget about me." And well, how long do I sit here before I walk in? Usually, you know? it's for fresh fries. You know, hey, pull up. We got new fries. I'm like, glad to. I love some fresh fries. Didn't you once have a story about being behind a guy who ordered like 30 tacos and refused to pull forward? I did. <laughs> he just waited. And yeah. like, I've, I never knew that was even an option that I could refuse to pull forward. Yeah, he just said no, held up the line for 20, 25 minutes, and I was already blocked in. And I was coming home from the like, station. That's at, like, even an option one night. to yeah. refuse. It's like, revolutionary. No, I'm just going to sit here. All right, coming up next, is he actually. The most abrasive and overtop man, over the top man in the media. Next, I want this song to make the next ticket CD. I want this song to make you giggle till you pee. So the shock value will be high and inside. Hey, I know if you're the one you want a song about for me. This is a shameless point, but my life is not a toy. It gives young comic joy to have love with real young boys. So don't disparage his new marriage with the Koopa free chick. You know he just mails in the tea bag with his co-host Big Dick. So if you're gay and look like Mickey Dolan's too much, and you do entertainment news for you or some such, the people boo you because you shill for all you and if you want some fun. Go look for friendly Kobe Davidson. All right, it's 150 something. It's Dan, it's Jake. We're in the hang zone for one more second with Corby. Hello. Remember this song? Boy. Barely. I mean, this is from what? 2000? I've never heard this. Love the booby friendly Kubi. You, you need words, man. But he's so cordial, you can borrow Kuba's only roach clip. Is this 2000? Well, it's got to be. Very early. Say what? This is about 2000. Uh, yeah, because I think the lyrics there said seven years ago. Yeah. They invented the ticket. Yeah. That was a nice compliment of your new bride, though, the non-FUPA chick. The FUPA-free chick. Yeah, that was great. Thank <laughs> you. That used to be a big deal, the FUPA. Oh, it's still a big deal. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, talk about the FUPA oh, yeah. and the ticket yeah. was... Uh, right. I feared that. Like, Mike Reiner always feared getting coach's leg. <laughs> it was it was the docking of the year 2000. Yes. Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's boofing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We're docking. Well, we have some audio, don't we, Dan? Or something. Yeah, should we uh, introduce it with the open that you have there, Mino? It's time. Because we just played one song, but we got to play another one, I think. Get, Get ready, ready for an all-new Hardline, hardline segment. segment. It's time to step into 
the Snake Pit. And now, with something completely over the top, the host and star of the Snake Pit, Pit Snake. If I remember them playing this, and then you'd be like, what? I, like, you didn't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they created the song to play for me, like I, you know, didn't know it existed, and they played it, and it was funny, and then they were like, all right, go. And I was like, like, what? What? We're in the pit. Do what? (laughs) I got nothing, man. That was a funny bit. Oh. Hey, before we go to audio. Yeah, I don't care. uh, Because this is just sort of our our look back at uh, two decades of abrasiveness. What was the story? And I believe there's even a drop in there. And if you want to act like this didn't happen for legal reasons, you can. What was the story behind the minor at summer bash? Um, so it involved groups and man, did there were, we tried to get a girl to kiss groups. Was that it? And I said about the beer. I know, I know, I know, okay. but but it was the buildup, and I think I told her, she was like, yeah, I'll kiss him, or no, 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 I, I go, if you do it, I'll buy your beer the rest of the night, and she's like, all right, cool, and so, like, she makes out with Krubes, <laughs> and then I was like, all right, my tab is Corby Davidson, whatever, go, have at it, and she bought, like, four or five beers, and then... She got sick or, or no, 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 she didn't get sick. Someone said, someone tried to check her ID and it turned out that she was 18 or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Or 19. And then I was leaving and there was a sheriff's deputy waiting on me to leave because I guess she had said, well, that guy bought me the beer. Uh I didn't buy my own beer. And uh, also, officer, he did it as payment for a sex act. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You're, ba- you're, you're basically. Well, luckily, she was at least eighteen. I was a pimp. You're a pimp, and you're providing alcohol. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, because that was back at the. Well, all the summer bashes are the same, but you have to. Everybody there is over twenty-one. You, you know, you can't be an eighth grader and get into summer bash. And we talk about like two-factor, three-factor authentication. And you remember going into those those places. I don't places. think authentication is a word. What did I say? Authentication. Yeah, that's not. But re- you remember going into that place that we used to go to where, I mean, they would check everything. There was a cop at the door. And so oh, yeah. you just assume that everybody that yeah. is there is over 21, which they weren't. I'd always be annoyed that they checked us so hard. I'm like. I know. Yeah. But we're all famous. And, and I stuff. told the cop that. And he was like, yeah, okay, fine. Because Corby gets out of everything. Amazing. He's just Corby, man. <laughs> just having fun. Yeah. It's just a bit. Boy, man. That was some good times, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, Corby used to be on noon to three. Actually, do you know noon to three used to be ten to three? Yeah, I really thought there was about a 75% chance that we would get, me and you and Bob would get 10 to 3 perma- permanently. Like, that would be our shift, that they wouldn't fill 10 to noon at all back when uh, Chris Arnold left in the in the late 90s because that's we started doing that all together. And then <clears throat> before I moved to the hard line and before they shrunk the shows down again and Norm came in, we really thought that was it. And I was like, yeah, we can do five hours, no worries. Yeah, I didn't... Th- 
I think we just didn't understand what was going on behind the scenes, because I'll bet you that was never a thought for them. No, no. But I thought but we were killing it, from I what I remember. we were. Yeah. I feel like it was going really well. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I was having a blast. With your Pierce Brosnan interview and the... Was that when you called as Evil Knievel when you were on our show, or was that still the Chris Arnold era? Like, Chris Arnold used to do the show 10 to noon until, let's say, fall of 99 at some point. I actually think I was working with the hard line at that point. Like, that was that was like 2001 okay. or two or something like that, when I was just hanging out out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just came out there and hang struggling. out. Yeah, right. And there was no delay on the speakers out there. And so when I heard Evil cut off, I called in to Rick Arnett, who was producing. I was like, hey, Rick, it's Evil. Let's get back on this horse, you know, or whatever. And Yeah, sorry, Evil. Sorry, Mr. Evil. Yeah, that was pretty early on. That was awesome. Yeah. The reason Corby's been such a destructive force in my life, if we're to be honest, was I think he was the first F-up I ever met who had done well for himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my parents' friends that seem to have like a nice, <clears throat> pretty nice house and stuff. I'm like, well, I don't really want to be like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, An accountant. That's super boring. <laughs> and I remember like the first time I ever went over to his house. In fact, this might have been the night that Groobs threw up on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> After he threw. <laughs> he threw up in my yard. Me and a buddy of mine <laughs> and Groobs went over to Corby's house. And I'm like, this is a pretty nice house. This looks like he's doing pretty well for himself. And it seems to me like he only works about an hour and a half a day. <laughs> Uh, this is, this seems like a pretty sweet existence, and I remember being in the kitchen of his house, and uh, I'd never seen like a, a an ice maker in your cabinet, you know? Yeah, I'd never seen one of those before. Now they they can't be that expensive. <laughs> They're not. They're <laughs> really like, not. It's, so it's not in the fridge, you mean, or the freezer? No, no. it's an actual ice maker. Like it's he just needs ice. That much ice? Well, you know, I think it probably goes along with like a kind of a wet bar type vibe. All right. I don't know, but. I remember being like, this is incredible, and just reaching my hand in. Like, I can grab a bunch of ice, and his wife looking at me and looking at Corby and being like, who is this mongoloid <laughs> who's never seen <laughs> there ice? Is a, I was like, this is incredible. There is a scoop in there. Yeah. Like, it, you, have to, you have to put your arm clearly past to get the ice. I was so excited. I, and you just, just jam your whole arm in there. I'll never forget. Like it's a cooling mechanism. disgusted. I'll never forget when Jake first walked in here. Like, I'll never forget this day, because it cut me down that he... He and TC were coming up here to podcast or have me on their podcast a long time ago. Well, it must have been about nine years ago when we first moved in or something. Yeah. And you were like looking around like, and you're like, whoa, you're so domesticated, bro. Like, I just felt like I'm no longer a dude. I'm no longer a cool guy that hangs out with buddies and firing one up on the couch or like, because he just walked in and. I had two kids and a dog. Yeah. Bunch of construction and, paper links. Yeah, all you over, know, counting down the days to Christmas. Pictures and, of kids, and you know, <laughs> it just like I was just put. I knew I was on the way out of life. Yeah, I had that too with Jake. Cool guy Jake and TC just were laughing at my scene. I had that too, Jake. We were going somewhere. I can't remember where. And my kids. I may have only had one kid at the time. Um, and he was real small, like two or three or something like that. And we were going somewhere and you came over to the house and he came outside with me, my, my kid at the time. And I gave him a big hug and kiss goodbye. And I got in the car and we went wherever we were going and you go, bro, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Well, it was, <laughs> 
It was super weird. I mean, if you meet somebody when they're like 32, 33, and they either you just had a kid or just had a kid, and we're all like, you know, partying all the time and stuff, I'm like, I don't know. He seems like he's closer to my age than being an adult. Yeah. And there's like this little thing walking around. I'm like, <laughs> This doesn't make any sense to me at all. This is the snake. And I could just hear in like like Jake's head going, don't introduce me to that kid. Don't introduce me to that kid. <laughs> right. You wanted nothing to do with that. That'd be like you bringing an intern over to your house right now. Oh, geez. Yeah. And just having them see, oh, you're yes, domesticated. At, at 19 or whatever it was. Gay kissing a kid. <laughs> Did you just kiss that thing? <laughs> the hell, it's all dirty. Um, I remember meeting Corby, though, when we did the the fill-in show. I, I think I met him that weekend. Like So I worked for a weekend with Bob in May of 1999 to do our fill-in to see if they'd want to make this thing uh, long-term. And uh, very luckily, they did. And I think he had hair down to the middle of his back. Like, it was insanely long hair. Because when I'm like that must have been yeah. the very final month you had that hair because I think when I drove to Dallas the next time and I remember one of the first voices I ever heard on the ticket was you you and Chris mm-hmm. when I was driving into town and uh, then when I came up to the station meeting you again you're like oh yeah hey I'm Corby oh you probably don't recognize me I had really long hair last time I remember that was like the first thing you said to me yeah and then I do remember this and I'll tell this story now. Even though my kids are of an age where they it could get back to them, which sucks. You think I can uh, only imagine having a kid now, but you know, just all the fun Jake stories about how party Jake and everything. How he crashed through Barry Switzer's. Once your kids are old <laughs> enough to <laughs> understand these Took stories, a tractor through Switzer's media room. Don't bring that drunk around here. <laughs> But so, uh, this is a different me. Mm-hmm. This is literally 20 years ago. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Okay. But I was trying to figure out, I was going to run out of pot at some point. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, it was going to be gone. And I was looking around the station and thinking of who could I, I didn't know anyone, you know, in town, anyone. I knew my uncle and aunt who lived in Arlington, and I didn't think they'd be a good guide. So I went up to Corby and just kind of pulled him aside and was like, hey, dude. And back in the old days, this is an old man talking now, I guess, I asked if he partied. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what somebody would say that. to you yes. if you were at a... If you're wor- at, at work, I was a cook or a busboy or something, and if somebody asked you if you partied, then you did, then you'd be like, nod, knowing nod, and okay, it, we're, we're cool. Now we're in the zone that I can now speak to you in a different way. You party? <laughs> and that's where that came from. Yeah. That's where that whole, and here's Damn, where I, I never do that. Here's where I learned that we're at the ticket, though, is I thought, because I've known many pot smokers throughout my uh, pot smoke history. And they're all pretty cool. We all keep it cool. We understand. We don't narc on each other. Uh, Corby, like, runs right to Gordo or on the rant or something going, Hey, this guy asked if I partied. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's how he asked if I smoked. (laughs) What a nerd. Yeah. I'm like, I thought this would be the most secretive, like, you would never say on the air or in front of anybody that... 
Man. that you did that. This is a horror, I, a secret I'm keeping from everyone. Yeah, new job. I don't know yeah. who does and who doesn't. And really now I think more people do in the world that than I had ever thought. But as a kid, as a as a young guy, I I was like, man, I, you don't want to let anyone know you do that, <laughs> you know, because that would be the death of your career. And uh, Corby ran on the air and told the guys that. And then every time Gordo saw me, he'd be like, "Hey, you party, you party, you party." <laughs> you know how Gordo gets one thing about you. Oh yeah, and just course. pounds it, Never. and then that becomes the person you are. And then they're they're making uh uh you know listeners are making alarm clocks on the air like with the sound effects of "Hey now you party, hey now you party, hey now you party" with Bob and Dan and is <sighs> Bob just thinks you're high every day. Yeah, yeah. and it just it's it like... just it became who I am. Which and, it's not, uh, you know. Well, well yeah, Corby did give me the number. I was going to say, guy, yeah, so. you, yeah, you came to the right did you guy. Score? I mean, like, yeah, it wasn't you? You chose wisely, but I, I remember you asking me that. I was like, well. Yeah, like, but, you know, like <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I'm Corby, but you know, I guess you just don't want to say hello. Do you smoke marijuana? Right. All right, dude. We'll talk to you at three. Appreciate. Oh, your time. that was the audio, huh? Oh yep, man, played all the audio. Damn played it. The, we, played, we weren't able to find the small of the back audio. Oh god, that's Corby in the hang zone. All P ones out on for the podcast this week. Have a fun weekend. I like that. We're ghosts. All right, then what should we do here? Uh, Vice President Rhines, what should we do? Well, Cuba, help me out on this one. Now, what is this, this Castro? He's the leader of a country. Right. What time is he on? On what? What time is he on? Is he afternoon drive? No, we're not competing. Because if he is, we need to send him a message that we are aware that he is out there. And truncation is in order. Uh, he's not a radio host. He is a leader ah, of a communist television. country that is 90 miles off the coast TV, of Florida. the small world of the Viticon. No, he's not on television. He isn't? <laughs> ah, yes. The ink-stained wretch. Mr. Vice President, ah, I think you're losing yes. sight of what the actual well, what is topic he is here. He's a leader of a country, and he's trying to kill the entire free world. So he's not radio, not TV, not ink-stained wretch. He must be in the category of some such. If you want to categorize him as some such, yes, you well, can. But as let's a matter of fact, to- Cuba, I have a book up here on some such. If I could just stand on this stepladder that I purchased at a flea market for a reasonable price. Look out. Vice President Ryan, watch out. Watch out. Ah, yes. Uh, oh, good God. Oh, good God. Vice President. Oh, good God. Oh, Ryan. Well, what can we do, Cuba? How can we head this off? Well, I did strike a deal with the Soviets this morning, Mr. President. They have agreed to disarm all their nuclear weapons. And and in return... That's right. We must... What do you mean in return? That sounded good at first. Right. The only thing we have to do is send over one of their native sons. What does that mean? An Indian? No, no. We have to send over someone who's been living here in the States for a long time, but was actually born in Cuba. And, uh... His name is Rafael Palmero. He plays- uh-uh. No, uh-uh. We're not getting rid of Rafi. No, we'll send him another Mexican. Send him Pudge or something like that. Well, Pudge is not from A-Rod. Cuba. Yeah, send him, send him another Mexican. But Ra- Rafi's my favorite Mexican. We ain't getting rid of him. Rafi is from Cuba. All they want is Rafi back. Well, I don't care, Cuba, because right here, look at this. I have a book up here on famous Mexicans. Let me just see if I can get it up here. Oh, oh, oh good God! Oh, good God! Grego, 
Bingo! Oh, good God! Ow! Rafi! Rafi, help me, Rafi!